the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm April Justine from Designer Exotics. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in herpetoculture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events, as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on the podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 29 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. How's it going, April? It is going fabulously. James, how are you? I'm I'm good. My weather's not nearly as good as where you're at, though. I know. Minnesota weather, it's so beautiful and clear, and the humidity is not too bad. If it's still light out by the time we're done with this, I might even go out and gander on some trails. I don't know. Probably not, though. Let's be real. I'm not going to do that you're, today. Maybe you're not tomorrow. going anywhere. No, nah, maybe tomorrow. Um, how are your baby Samboas? They're good. I'm uh, I'm still waiting on a female to give birth. I feel like she, I've been waiting on her to give Dill? birth for about two months. Oh, my God. But she's still fat. So she's either got a giant tumor or she's pregnant. Or she has a big turd in her. That's definitely a possibility, too. <laughs> I mean, like... And and I fed her last night. I gave her a small meal last night because I was like, I haven't fed her in a while because I kept thinking, oh, she's going to have a baby. She's going to have a baby, so I'm not going to feed her. And finally, I was like, you know what? Screw it. And I fed her because they'll eat through the whole pregnancy, so that doesn't tell me anything either. So, like, you know, some like won't eat when they're pregnant. Sambo's eat the whole way. They'll probably eat while giving birth. So, yeah, I, I got nothing. I'm just waiting now at this point. My babies are starting to eat food, and I feel like I've, I'm, I feel like the lazy breeder way out of this because my friend is taking care of them ryan rumbly <laughs> yeah ryan rumbly is taking care of all my babies and doing all the hard baby work stuff and i'm so grateful to him but i feel bad because i'm like yeah babies are you know starting to eat and i'm like i have no part in this ryan's doing all of it i just bring him the feeder so <laughs> but they're I progressing so the up. way they should be but I, I seriously ryan if you're listening i appreciate you <laughs> <laughs> now, but yeah like I'm sorry, I'm waiting on the one litter, and then I've got another litter that takes one more meal, and they'll be ready to go. My litter of gigantic babies that were like twice the size of a normal baby are almost ready. Good. Good. That's exciting. So, Yay. Yeah. I, but I was I, I was expecting like probably about 60 babies this season because I was like, oh, yeah, that'll last me probably you know four or five months of, of reptile shows. I'm not sure I'm going to have babies left by the time I get to the next reptile show. That happened to me last year, and it's like – woe is me i sold too many too fast no, it's, <laughs> it just means like i have to set money aside to afford to still go to the reptile shows and hang out mm, true story but well, I before we get any further i was, into talking. I was talking damn discussion. it i want to bring our guests in on Wait. this conversation okay i guess i got i got i gotta mention our 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 sponsors okay first i'm gonna say our guest is okay. brian cusco brian hello how are you Hi. Well, here, let me go ahead and help you out there, James. I'm going to introduce one of your sponsors. Hopefully I don't get this wrong, but uh, you guys are sponsored by the Herps shows. Are you not, Sean we Gray? Are. Yes. I, I read I read that the other night when I was looking up you guys' podcast and seeing what it's all about. And uh, that's one of the few people that, uh, here, let me, let me talk a little bit more about what you guys are doing. Your, your Facebook posts, I was checking those out, and there was one post that was uh, asking people who they would want to meet in the reptile hobby if they could. And I, I thought that was a real cool post. And I was reading down the list of names and I was feeling very fortunate to have, it seemed about 75% of the people that were mentioned on there, I've gotten to meet in person and talk to, which just made me feel very fortunate. But one of the people I hadn't yet is Sean. And I've heard lots of good things about him and his shows. I'm really, and you mentioned just a second ago too, wanting to go to a reptile show, which I also want to do. And I haven't been to one of the Herp shows. I've heard 
amazing things about his shows and him as a person. So, I mean, congratulations on that sponsorship. Thanks. Yeah, yeah Sean guy. is. Yeah, he's one of the best people I've ever met. He's he's amazing, and his shows are unlike. They're unlike any other show just because it's it's a real family thing. Like all the vendors are more of a family. You don't just show up and sell and then go home. Like we all hang out, we talk to each other on a regular basis. We all have a Facebook group that we talk in. So, yeah, you, you should make it to the Conroe show if you can ever make it over to Texas to the Conroe show. That's, that's the, the biggest one, one. That's the one that I've heard the most about. Yeah, that's our. That's actually well, my see next you one. There, Brian. <laughs> wait, well, wait, when? When is that? I actually don't know. James probably does. <laughs> I, I probably should know, and I probably should have looked it up earlier, but I can definitely Google it because I've got the Google machine in front of me. There you go. Google I've it. Going oh, back yeah. and forth, back and forth about going to a show this year or not and just waiting till next year, and I'm I'm still somewhat back and forth, but the schedule's starting to kind of fill up anyway, so it might my schedule might determine that by the time the year comes around, but it would be – I miss them. I miss going to a show. I love reptile shows, man, and I've really been missing going and hanging out with all the all the cool people at them. Yeah, because I yeah, think you're like me. Really you're, you're not really going. Well, you're not really going to buy stuff usually, right? I rarely buy anything in reptile. I mean, I'll buy like some supplies, like a hook or something, or some pieces of wood at the at the Pomona show. The guy that always has the big chunks of, yeah. of grape wood and stuff. Um, but I, the first reptile show that I went, the first big reptile show I went to Pomona was to purchase an. Well, I I had arranged to purchase an animal from uh, Colette Sutherland, and I went there specifically to pick up that animal from her but since then and then i picked up a pair of indigo snakes at the pomona show as well uh january 2019 and other than that i don't really you know i picked up some snakes from chase baker as well just at the end of the show just because i love chase so much and he had some he didn't even have the animals i i wanted at the beginning of the show <laughs> i was like i still want some snakes before you leave chase let me get those two and they're here growing up um probably be ready to go this season actually but yeah I actually pulled up the dates. I I found I found it. Conroe is September nineteenth and twentieth. Mm, I'm almost certainly not going to make that one. The the next show I was supposed to make was New Orleans, but unfortunately they had to postpone it because we uh we're in phase two still and we cannot have gatherings of more than fifty people. So that's pretty much just the vendors at that point. Now is the Conroe is that once a year or twice a year? Three times a year. Three times. Oh wow. Yeah, most of the shows that he does are twice a year. But the Conroe show is three times a year. Um, so yeah, for anybody listening, the next shows coming up are Kansas City, Missouri, August 22nd, 23rd, Oklahoma City, August 29th, 30th, Conroe again, September 19th, 20th, and then Waco, Texas, uh, October 10th and 11th Those are the next four shows. Nice. But they, uh, yeah, they're, they're a blast. And the, I mean, I, I've been to some shady shows where you're like, yeah, I don't think I want to buy anything in here, uh, just because you're afraid of what it may have. But that just doesn't happen at those shows. Yeah, so that's what I understand from what I've heard of the shows. He does a really good job of making sure the quality is there, not just in the animals, but the the vendors themselves. And, yes, yeah, he I'm, checks on you as a vendor too, and make sure that you're doing well and your sales are good. Like you really know that he cares, and not to say that others don't, but specifically with him, like he really, really puts an effort to make sure everyone's doing well. Yeah, he comes around. Reputation precedes him. I've heard it. He comes around, he'll ask how, what you're doing, how you're doing. He wants to know what everybody's selling. He's one of those that doesn't feel like a show was – he doesn't care how many people come through the door. He wants the vendors to sell stuff because if the vendors sell stuff, he's going to do fine. And so right. that's, that's why I like him. But that's one sponsor. He's great. And, and our other got, Lone Star Racks, is that another one? Or? Lone Star Reptile Racks, which is one yeah. of our listeners. Uh, Robert uh, makes awesome racks. He's in Texas. He's been killing it too at the Herp shows. He's sold out almost every show. This last show, I think he only had a couple of racks left at the end of it. That's, that's one thing. thing. 
during COVID, people have been buying reptile stuff. Oh yeah, I noticed. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I get that. Like, we're all like, "Oh no, COVID's horrible," but it's really helped me sell some samboas. It definitely boosted the uh, the industry, the reptile industry, and, and hobby. I mean, the, I guess people being home wanting to do something and maybe stimulus checks and all that, and not none of it all plays into it, I guess. But it really has boom. Everybody I've talked to is like, "Yeah, I'm selling snakes like crazy." It's, yep. it's insane. You wouldn't think that that would happen. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't know what to expect, honestly. But yeah, that definitely seems to have been a side effect so far. I think in the beginning, everyone thought like it was going to be doomed and sales were going to be really, really terrible. And it's like the opposite that's happening. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I guess the other side affects your other business because you do educational outreach stuff and that's kind of been affected. Yeah, yeah. Not being able to get out in person has definitely been a thing. I, I've been able to do some virtual stuff with some libraries and I'm working on doing some for the public as well. I just actually announced um, on my own channel that I was going to be doing a couple coming up in the beginning of September, kind of like a private um, live stream on YouTube type of thing for for people that wanted to sign up for it um, to hopefully get some stuff. But it's, it hasn't been the same as getting out there in person, of course, you know, watching the kids like get excited in person and being able to let them touch the animals, which is the biggest part of the show is letting them get hands on the animals themselves. So at least they've been going as well as I could have hoped for not being in person and being virtual. There's at least seem to be some value. People are still getting out of it, even if they're not able to actually lay hands on the animals in person, fortunately. Well, I've got to imagine just, I mean, I know, I know you from your videos, at least around reptile stuff, you're a very people person. Like I know you enjoy talking to people, at least when it's about reptiles. So that's got to kill you not being able to do any of it other than just on your own videos still. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, and talk to people about everything really. Um, you know, reptiles is like kind of the, the glue that has brought me closer with people than I've ever been. Um, music was the first one that kind of brought me in. Believe it or not, I'm ex extremely introverted as a person. Um, like, basically or at my core and and always had been growing up and then getting into music and playing music live brought me out of that a bit and reptiles and reading people that are into reptiles and maybe that's because a lot of people that are into reptiles are also introverted and then find this common thread of of being into reptiles and it's just really i've never been as close with people and as many people as i have been since i've come back and fell face first into this hobby actually reptile um, reptile <laughs> april yeah you were one of the first people i met actually uh, when i first moved back to the state and started keeping again i went down to really uh, yeah i met um jake jake smith and he had yeah. a little get together down there oh, i went down right. there yeah, yeah i didn't i didn't know anybody um i i don't remember how i met jay maybe through like a form jared was having these um these parties in the park down in ventura like a, a reptile yep. gathering like yeah and I, I went down there i think that's where i met jake for the first time if i'm not mistaken i just found that online i was like oh that's somewhat close to me i would drive down there check it out and then jake had that thing at his house i honestly can't remember if that was before or after um jared's thing in the park but i do remember meeting you because i was there hanging i didn't know anybody and you seemed cool and yeah, I, had I really didn't know anyone that was there either like really besides jake <laughs> <laughs> and i still barely knew i just met jake too so um i remember just sitting there talking with you for a while i was like oh sweet this person is cool i can talk to this person and i, I don't feel weird now <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i could help you out there do you find like with all like the the videos you do and how how much you are an online presence that you have to spend a lot of offline time by yourself just to kind of like re-energize and regroup for yourself 
Hmm. I, well, I wish I could say that I have that luxury, even if I chose to exercise. I, I've got a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a two-year-old. And uh, there's not really much me time in, in the world. Sure, sure. Like if I'm driving, I, I do some work with Freedom Breeder, of course. And if I'm, if I'm going up there, it's about a three-hour drive. That's kind of my time to have to myself is, uh, which I, now I'm, now I'm understanding people that would commute. I never understood like how you could commute. Granted, I, de- I definitely wouldn't do that every day, but I, people would say, that's my me time. Like when people that had families that I knew before I had a family and, and they were commuting, you know, from wherever, like Patterson to the, to the Bay. And it's like a two hour mm-hmm. commute. I'm like, how the, how do you do that? I still couldn't do that every day. It still seems crazy to me, but I do understand now like the, the me time that you get from it because that is the me time is when I'm, you know, a travel. Brian, I wish your life was, was less boring, I guess, between, <laughs> between your family and a podcast and two YouTube channels and traveling the country and the world. It's just, you need more to do. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not boring. There's no <laughs> dull moments. I know you're being sarcastic, but don't, yeah, dull moments are, are hard to come by, which I'm not complaining about in the least, in the least. I watched your video that you posted today. And uh, with your family watching you feed the rabbits to the retics. And that video was hilarious because I, I watch your kids' faces and it's what you expect. Like they're super like, oh, that's awesome. Your wife looks horrified the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> she grew up with a big fear of, of a snake. A snake. She had like nightmares about worms and snakes growing up. So, um, I mean, but she's come a long way. She holds snakes. She's cleaned and held retics. Um, you know, she lets, hey, she lets you own them. That's That's the big thing. Like she's okay with it. And I've heard some people have significant others who are like, you can't have a snake. And they're like, but I want one. doesn't matter. Like that's messed up. <laughs> yeah. She definitely, uh, she's a good, she's a good woman. There's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm definitely lucky with my, my wife. Um, she, <laughs> cause she didn't know what she got herself into at first. We got, we met in Hawaii and we lived there for, let's see, when, when we met in, oh, something. Oh, four. we didn't, damn, did we, we lived there for 10 years together. Is that right? 10 years before she, realized that I wanted to keep snakes. <laughs> See, you tricked her. You put her on an island with no snakes. And you're like, no, I don't want snakes. And then you get back to the States. And you're like, hey, by the way. Am I, am I, I'm, I think I'm making something up there. It wasn't 10 years. It was like seven years, but it's still, it was amount, an amount of years that we were together before I, I sprung the, uh, oh, you're afraid of snakes. By the way, I'm going to get one, two, 10, 30. <laughs> <laughs> I also, one of my favorite things in your videos on your, I think I used to do on the blog ones, but are the, what do you know with your kids? Yeah, I love those. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. When you stop the video and it shows their face and it plays the fun little music and then they've, one of my favorite parts of the videos. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you, that you watch them. I, um, that's my favorite part too. Cause I get to watch them do their thing and it's a lot harder than it looks. Like I never realized how hard it was until people started doing it to me at shows and I'd be like on the spot, like, um, shit, I don't, I don't think I know anything. Now I think about well, like your daughter, your daughter into that one with, and that's all I know. I'm like, that's hilarious. Oh, uh, my wife about died when she did that because we've been, I mean, you know, that's kind of one of the first times she actually just did it like that without being prompted. You know, I try to tell her, you know, if you're done, if you don't, if you're done with what you know, you can just say, you know, that's all I know. And that was actually the first time she just said it on her own. That's so cute. <laughs> it's fun, man. Having a daughter changes you. But I'm such a soft person compared to how I was when I was an adolescent, man. I'm, I've become a, 
I never like, I find myself crying at like you know certain movies like kids movies and stuff it's like that that never used to happen when I was growing up oh I'm horrible so I've got a nine-year-old daughter oh, nice. and like when I watch movies we're like okay so the end of the um, there's gonna be a spoiler alert for anybody listening at the end of the last Avengers movie when it's the funeral and you see his daughter sitting on the porch with happy oh I yeah. bawled I bawled like a big baby there I'm like but her dad's dead that's horrible I'm like as a kid, I wouldn't have given two shits. I'd have right. moved on and been like, whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. And I, I know the, of course, I've watched that movie several times and it doesn't fail to. And it, and the weird thing is like, I, I enjoy it. Like I feel the tears coming out. They start falling down the face. I'm like, oh, this is good. I needed this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let's hop into what we got. We got a lot of stuff. So let's hop into it. So, our question for the week on Facebook was, and it was kind of April picked this question because we knew we were having you on. Uh, if you could make reptiles your full-time job, be it breeding, education events, or an influencer, which all the above, I guess, would you? And so we had several, I mean, that one really took off April. You had a lot of responses to that question. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm good at asking questions. Sometimes. Not some, always, of my, <laughs> some of my favorite responses uh, were like Warren Booth, and Scott oh, Borden's wow. original Scott Scott went back and changed it, but Scott Borden's original answer was just like Warren Booth, which was no. And that's where they <laughs> left it. They just put no and, and moved on. Oh man, I like Warren. I haven't got to meet him yet. We had a couple of conversations via text. I was wanting to get him on a video at some point. And then he went on MJ's podcast. I was like, well, I guess I stopped trying really hard to find I like to do him in person, which is actually something I'm gonna change um next week i've been spending most of the day today trying to um set up a, a live stream thing because triple b tv for the last year and a half or two years has been in-person interviews mm -hmm. with people in the industry or hobby and with the onset of not going into any shows um i've kind of leaned towards i had a couple different ideas and what i'm moving forward with is doing some live interviews live stream on on youtube with the uh, people and actually i'll let you guys i wasn't going to tell anybody but I'll, I'll tell you right here first our first guest is going to be vin russo Oh, that's, awesome. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, I love talking with Vin, and I've been kind of talking with the folks I have on on Patreon. We have a little weekly Zoom meeting with our, our Patreon folks, and uh, I've been talking every time I talk about the idea of bringing on a an outside guest to either to our, our Zoom there or to do live streams. I always mention Vin for some reason, just because he's got lots of good information. He's got interesting stuff to talk about, and I just I just like him as a person. So, well, it's always nice to have the guy that wrote the book on something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it is good to have that. And then with Vin, like. He's just such a cool dude. I mean, I've got, I did a little uh, video intro at Tinley one time where I was just ha going around having people headbang and then I'd choose what music to to have them headbang into later, whether it was Sarah McLaughlin or some classical music or Slayer. Even got Carrie King in the video, which of course, anybody that's in the hobby knows you can find Carrie King at certain shows, yeah. which is awesome. Um, but yeah, Vin didn't even hesitate. I was like, hey, because some people are like, what are you doing now? You want me to do what? Hold on. I was like, Vin, I need, to, um, you know, tell him what I was doing. And he starts, head, starts rocking out. Like, I was like, oh, you're getting slayer for sure, Vin. <laughs> <laughs> I like your setup you do at the shows. With the, It took me the longest time to realize in your videos, the backdrop. Like, it's not your room. That's like your room and your backdrop are the same and not the same place. Like that, it was confusing at first. Because it does such a good job when you're looking at it, it looks like it's an actual room behind you. 
<laughs> I have to give a big thanks to Rami at the Super Show for for that. He actually had that printed for me. I just sent him the picture, and he he got it printed for me so I could have back there. And then also to Garrett, um, my co-host over at Searchables Reptiles, it was his idea to like try and bring my room to the show to interview people at. And I was like, yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I'm gonna see what I can do to make that happen. And that was that was what happened. So I'm glad it actually worked because it worked. I looked at it too. I was like, when I first set it up in my room, I set the the picture sideways in the room, and then took a picture where you can kind of see the room and <laughs> and the backdrop. And it really confused the hell out of people. <laughs> when you mentioned Garrett, Garrett has one of the the coolest setups at any oh, show. Yeah, yeah I mean, he he, he really makes out. people you either love him or you hate him. It's so good because like. You love it, but people that are like sitting next to him are like, God, this guy's making me look real bad right now. Well, that whole corner last year at Tinley, it was him. And then you had the, um, oh, what is the one with the, the, all the monitor, the little, the little um, yeah, the Ackies and stuff. Ackies. Red, red something, right? Isn't it? No, it's, um, oh, he has like full, like rock feature built in tanks. This is really annoying because I'm picturing his I'm, whole setup. I know, I, it was right there around the, the corner from Garrett's. But like those two setups, when you walk over there, like, Wow, these are completely different than anyone else in this entire place. Like Garrett's is like almost like he's not even there to sell stuff. He's just there to hang out and he brought his own bar. Come hang out at his bar. Well, yeah, that's that's the genius of Garrett. He's he's not that well, he is there to sell stuff, but that's already not, sold. <laughs> that's not why he's there. He he makes all his money after the show when people are calling him back. Yeah. Yeah, his little signs in the bathroom this past year were hilarious. <laughs> Garrett's, Garrett's hilarious, dude. I, I love that guy. You mentioned Scott, too. Scott commented on that thing. I actually got to meet Scott um, in person as well um, just a few months ago, randomly. I didn't even – it was completely surprised. I'd, I'd seen his posts, of course, on on things and read read his blog. And um, and then I went to what I thought was – well, I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about this. It was, it was a secret, secret carpet fest that that happened. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, COVID was shutting stuff down. Nobody was sure if anything was allowed to happen, and then, and then Travis was like, um, "Oh man, I'm I'm getting myself, I'm getting people in trouble right now." Um, he was like, "I'm we're having a small." Okay, I can't. Okay, I'm just gonna stop. I, really, I, I think I might actually legitimately be getting people in trouble. <laughs> I could have anyway, saw pictures of folks hanging out. And what I was saying is, I saw I met Scott Borden. It was awesome. <laughs> He was he was a really cool dude. We we stood around, drank some whiskey, and six uh, feet apart, of course, right? Six feet. Well, actually, he was probably about ten or twelve feet away. To be See? fair, you're good with with yeah. a mask on. They drank the whiskey through their mask. It helped filter it. Yeah, just one of those little poke the hole and like put a straw <laughs> through. And... <laughs> Please, I just need to see a picture of you drinking whiskey through one of those like curly straws. Oh man, I haven't drank alcohol through a straw since I was like seventeen. I'm okay with getting myself in trouble. Yeah, I was 17 the last time I drank alcohol through a straw, and that was only because I had had my, I, I had my face kicked in, and one of the teeth was a. Uh, I couldn't drink on that side. <laughs> That's not I thought that was going. I figured it was just like drunk teenager. I'm gonna drink through a straw. And you're like, nope, my mouth was messed up. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't a, I, I know the, the little technique. Yeah, drink through a straw to get drunk fast. It wasn't like that. Wasn't the idea. It was just the idea was to be able to drink without. Um, letting liquor get on that tooth because i wasn't supposed to do that oh. you probably weren't supposed to drink at all that's my guess <laughs> but... for sure. it's a technicality right yeah, there i, guess. I mean yeah. you know whatever <laughs> they didn't say not to at the dentist office they just said don't you know get it you know, like they told me to drink through a straw actually and the only liquids that's... <laughs> they just didn't say which liquid <laughs> They just made some assumptions and you know what happens when you start making assumptions next thing you know you're drinking through a straw 
Oh, it's funny. I just had a pop up on my phone that says searchable as reptiles is now available. Yeah, I've I just realized like halfway through my day today that oh crap, today is the one day a month that we upload that, so I better do it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to that. It's got Dave on. We had Dave on earlier on way early in the podcast. So Yeah, I saw that. I'm off give that one to listen to later when I'm editing this. Did did right. anyone say on that post that they wanted to do it full time? There were. There were. There were some. Uh, so this first one, Dominic said, I tried the zookeeper route, which was me. I tried the zookeeper route. Uh, but then he had a family and like everybody else can't afford to be a zookeeper and have a family. That's uh, rough. That's the sad uh, reality. That's- that is the sad reality for a lot of things, it seems. Like, yeah. Professions that are, you know, good professions. You would think are good, honorable professions. And yet you can't support a family with that honorable profession that's just, well, just there's, right. so, there's so many people in the reptile hobby that are ex-zookeepers it's great like always running into people like, oh yeah i used to be a zookeeper i used to be a zookeeper I'm like and every answer as to why they quit was it didn't make enough money and it's a shame because like all people that, those people are the people that would love that job and you know there's so many there's only so far you can go for well do what you love i do what i love it just doesn't pay rent is the problem yeah that's Especially when it's such a legitimate job, like like a zookeeper or or a teacher or any you know something like that, and it seems like it's very very difficult to support a family on the pay you get for those professions. See, and that's funny. I went from zookeeping to teaching, and I agree, teachers need more money. But like all my teachers, like we don't make enough money. I was like, you have no idea what zookeepers make, guys. This is like the insane pay raise for me to become a teacher from a zookeeper. Are you able to support the family just you being a teacher? Well, my wife and I are both teachers, but yeah, we're fine. There you go. Well, yeah, with the two of you. So, yeah, so you have two people doing it. And then, yeah, but just if it was just one of you, would it be possible? Not at all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you both, you have to be in it to make it make it work. When I think, I, then I'm coming from a totally biased family. My grandmother was a teacher. My mom's a teacher. My wife's parents are teachers. I think a teacher should be able to support a family on just one teacher's pay. You know, I mean, well, it's, it's amazing. You think how much certain careers make. Every single one of those careers, the person – not every career, but most of those careers, a person got there because of teachers. But yet teachers are left behind making way less money. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a weird world in which we live in. It is very weird. It's, it's very strange. I guess it's a weird country because I hear about other countries where teachers get paid a ton. I'm like, yeah, but then I got to move to that country and I don't really want to leave. Yeah, we kind of get the family. The family locks you in. Well, my sister didn't stop my sister. She's over there in, in Belgium with her family. Really? Yeah, making us all all jealous of their uh, the way their government's set up, and you know, getting getting paid to have or not paid, but um, being able to stay home with your kids when you have them for oh, yeah. longer than a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, that is a bad thing. Or however long it is, I don't know how long it is anymore. But yeah, no, be, being able to make a living working with reptiles and and doing this type of stuff, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I think I'm living proof that yeah, I want to do it. <laughs> if i can i will and there are several others that wanted to and like uh let's see derek dykstra said he does education now but he'd love to be an influencer which i think is kind of where the world we live in a lot of people want to be which is kind of good there's a lot more podcasts coming out there's more content starting to flow onto youtube that's good content um that's not just every video is them going to a reptile show which is fine a handful of those but not every video it is fun to see all the different the different things that people will bring out. I mean, it is good. I I think it more more the better. You know, the the reptile world. Sometimes we live in this bubble, and you hear people talk about this because it's true. The majority of people out there do not find reptiles appealing. No, 
And the more we can change public perception of that, the better because, and, and we are, I think we are, I think it's, it is happening. I mean, even the lady I sat next to on the plane on the way back from Utah, she, I was talking about snakes and she was cool with it. But like when I started talking about certain things about snakes, like she literally got goosebumps and she told me up front, she's like, I don't do that. I don't, but then she lives in Florida. I was like, man, you're in the wrong state. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm a local though. I was like, yeah, well, but she, we, we, this is one of the cool, I love when this happens when I'm on a plane with somebody and we talk from the moment we sit down to the moment the plane lands on the other side. This is what I did with this lady. But, um, she was just one of those many, many majority of people that are just not into reptiles. And that's something that I think we can lose sight. I lose sight of it all the time that because I'm always in this bubble of all these, all oh, everybody loves reptiles. We all love my kids love reptiles. Even my wife who grew up with nightmares, she holds reptiles, but no, the majority of people out there will, you have to fight tooth and nail to get them close to a reptile. It seems weird to think about it that way, but it, it's, it, it is the truth. And the majority of people have a fear of snakes. We are in the, minor, in the minority. Those of us that like appreciate and like to touch reptiles. That's not the, <laughs> and- common thing and that fear to us seems so crazy like it's it's hard to understand how someone can have such a strong fear about something and then you realize it's just such a strong fear because they just don't know and everything they do know for the most part isn't right and you and that's it's so hard for us now i I, it's hard for me to think about myself as a kid and not knowing this stuff because i mean i've watched discovery channel since i was old enough to watch it so when i meet like adults who just don't know the basic things like well how do you not know that I feel like it should be common sense because all my friends know this stuff. How do you not know this stuff? I mean, you have like Greek mythology, you know, going back way back. And then you have literature going way back that demonizes, you know, snakes specifically. And then, you know, dragons, you got to slay the dragon. Well, dragons kind of look like lizards. So there's that kind of fear that goes along with that. So, I mean, that that's been in society for ages upon ages so trying to change that and trying to influence someone the other way that's that's hard feat so well and what i miss is so we just got through with shark week right and shark week the whole week is trying to show you how much sharks are not horrible and they really have done a shift for a long time there it was like look at all these shark attack videos and they've done a really good job over the last few years of look at how unthreatening these things are but what I really missed as a kid was Croc Week when you had Steve Irwin and it was a whole week of just crocodile and reptile stuff. And I, and I wish there was a way to bring that back. I mean, there's not. Without him, there's not. But that that was one of my favorite weeks of the year. And it happened for a few years there back in the you know late 90s, early 2000s. Tell Riley to do it. <laughs> see, what, see what happens. <laughs> Riley, well, we, we've you get got a shift. <laughs> we, We've definitely got a shift moving away from – television i think you know the internet is the new mm-hmm. television and more people are more and more people are paying attention to what's happening on online versus what's happening on their tv which is uh, kind of substantial i think because it is the people that control what's on the internet i mean i know there's private companies that are trying to you know put certain holes on certain content but for the most part i mean at least here in the United States and, and many of the other countries, I know maybe the places like China, they've got a stranglehold on the content that's going out on the internet over there. From what I understand, I haven't been there personally, but that's what I understand. Um, but even there, I would think you'd get a VPN. I don't know. I can't speak about China. I've never been there, but I'll have to go there sometimes so I can bring back some legitimate information, anecdotal experience. <laughs> but, uh, but if we are in control we kind of have the decision to decide what is popular as a people on, on the internet, like whatever people like, that's what, that's what you watch. And 
that's that's where it's at, I think, as far as content and educational content and where you're going to be able to reach people the most. You know, TV is going to die. TV is still trying to grab on the Internet, too. Like there's I remember the first time I saw some ads like on the major sports platforms for YouTube. They're like, oh, we're going to put this on YouTube so that people can watch it. <laughs> Not that people don't want I mean, live sports is probably the the one thing that was still going strong you know, really, really strong on, on TV over the internet. And now that's kind of fading away because there's no live sports right now. I know. Yeah. Well, the other, the scary part about the internet though, is that anybody can put stuff out there. Oh yeah. And so that's like, I like that it's, it's starting to get better where there's more channels with good information where it's not just, let's see if I can get shock value. And that's what always scares me because I know a lot of people go, well, shock value gets people to watch. Yeah, but sometimes you don't shift out of that shock value and you, the whole video is that and it just doesn't get very informative. That's true. And that's a hard it's a hard line to walk and it's a hard battle to fight because it is important for us to, you know, teach people that reptiles don't need to be scary or that you don't need to be scared of reptiles and if you are, it's just a lack of information and a little bit of um harmless not harmless but uh innocent ignorance. Um and if you cure that ignorance with a little bit of knowledge then that is good but it is hard to get people's attention just with information there's got to be some entertainment value to it to really grab somebody i, I proved this to myself with the uh the herpeton talks i've been putting up for the last uh last year like every other video so that's the gift that keeps on giving right i mean that's a million videos there it's it's good it's good and i, I love the information that i've gotten lots of just from being there recording it and then playing it back while i you know put the video together i've I've gained so much knowledge but it's not what is popular you know not as many people just want to learn it's it's not presented in that way where anybody can just sit there and plus they're long you know some of them are like 45 minutes which is an eternity on the internet some days you know two minutes is sometimes too long depending on on who you are but um I, ju- I have watched over this year the channel and just kind of go slowly, just kind of slowly downhill. Um, it's because it's not as easy to get people interested in stuff like that. So finding the balance between those two things, between a Herbaton style lecture and a completely you know, sensationalized video that people are like, whoa, I'm watching this because I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Like finding the middle ground between there is kind of the the battle, I think, and how to do it successfully. And somebody that I like that I met recently um, is Clint over yeah. Clint Reptiles. The information he puts out is solid, well researched. He's a he's a PhD. He knows what he's talking about, um, and he does it. And he's got a little format that I forget what the channel that he said he kind of um, not parodied, but he took a lot of inspiration from as far as the format and the template that he uses for, you know, rating reptiles as pets. It's, it's getting out there and it's, uh, and it's well done. He's a, he's a good guy. You know, after having met him a couple times now in person, he's a really awesome dude. And, um, he's doing a good job of what I'm talking about. I think. I said it last week on our podcast and I made a meme this week and posted it on his Facebook page, but it shows, uh, Mr. Rogers plus Bill and I plus Steve Irwin equals Clint. <laughs> yeah um yeah probably probably the steve is probably the the least influence on that side for yeah. sure but, <laughs> but he's, he's such like a wholesome like so my wife teaches fifth grade and she has classroom pets and she had to put she wanted to put together stuff for her kids to be able to watch um virtually uh on how these how to take care of these animals and about them and like three of the videos that she took and put on there our Clint's because she goes the other night. She goes, "Do you think Clint's videos would be okay for elementary kids?" I was like, "They'll be perfect." Clint and Emily are perfect for any age. Uh, Emily has Saint Discovery for especially for kids. So she used three videos. I think 
bearded dragon, maybe a leopard gecko and something else uh, from Clint's reptiles for her kids for her fifth grade class. Right. And the, there's a, you know, and there's going to be always going to be information that you can't, I think Clint does the, the most solid job of it. There's always going to be stuff that you can't get to if you're not, if you don't have the decades of experience with an individual species, right? Yeah. There's going to be folks out there that are like, well, it's not exactly right. You know, I've been working with this species for 25 years, day in, day out. Like, that's not exactly right. And what I would want to do or what I would want to do to those people or not do to them, but to exceed. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. I'm taking I'm a gonna strangle them. <laughs> what I would Im- implore them to do is to create channels and content and get that information out there. That's what I, I would love to see people do. Because if they have, you know, extensive knowledge with a certain species, like put that knowledge out there for people to learn so that, so that people can know. And, and just the more knowledge and, and things like that we can get out there, the the better. Just flood YouTube with reptile content that's full of good information and, and goodness. And that's that's a good thing that we can do, I think. Well, it's like one of the things I like about your videos and Dave's videos are that they're not the same thing. They're entertaining, but they're not the same thing over and over again. Like you did a video when you went to Clinton, y'all went herping out in Utah. And then you'll do a video when you're at a show. And then you did a video when you're, you know, at your house showing something. So it's it's not just the same thing over and over again. Whereas like some people go, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And the first 10 videos are reptile shows and just ball pythons. And like I've seen so many of them where it's no talking. It's just music. And then scanning at ball pythons the whole time. I'm like stop talk and in, inform do something um and so I, that's why i like watching y'all is just because it's it's something different and i i think you and dave and probably emily and clinton have some of the best production value on youtube thanks which, which makes it easier to watch it definitely makes it easier for the general public to watch because it's more like what they're used to tv wise not just someone shooting it on an iphone right right I just um, shoot I, it on the I, iphone that's all i got <laughs> i tried it recently actually that whole utah trip i shot on my iphone See, look at that. Nowadays, it's the cameras on them are insane. That's why I tried it. I was like, they they, they are insane. Some of the HDR shots, it's 4K, and you can choose your frame rate. And some of those HDR shots, when we were out there in the later part of the day with the sun, and there's these flies, and I was looking at the shots, I was like, man, this is this oh, yeah. is great. This is better than I could get on my DSLR right now when it, that HDR kicks in because the the three cameras right there, however that technology works, that it, when it's working well, it's working real well. I bought an 11 Pro simply for taking snake pics when I had to sell snakes for taking pictures of babies. Yeah, they're incredible. One of the um, photography-based YouTubers I watched did a comparison side-by-side with the the Pro Max or the the Pro, the 11 Pro, with a DSLR, you know, a high-quality DSLR. and was doing side-by-side pics and like, can you tell the difference? This, how about this one? And then like, you, you couldn't tell the difference. It's like, That's there's no crazy. way to tell. Yeah, in- impressive stuff. That's so stuff. cool, though. Which... At the same time, still amazes me when I see people post snakes for sale and the picture is so horrible. That's actually, it's funny if you're talking about that. That's the next video I'm going to film because somebody made a request. If if one person makes a request for a video, I'll, I'll often, actually, I was talking with Dave about this. So I'm going to contradict myself too because he says, people requested this video and I made it and it did horrible. I was like, Dave, if somebody requests a video and a comment and it's not something you want to do, then don't do it. Because you just got to make the stuff you want to make, regardless of what everybody else says. And here I am about to say, if somebody requests a video, I'll make it. And that's, and that's what the last video, that's what the last request. Can you please like do a little tutorial on how to take good pictures from Morph Market? So that's the next video I'm going to do is just a quick little tutorial, especially if you don't have a real camera and you're just using your phone, which most of these phones now have fantastic cameras. It's all about the lighting. And I'm just going to make a video on that, kind of go over some basic stuff. So even if you're just there and you have no experience with photography whatsoever, you can just watch the video and be like, oh, 
I just need to do that. And then my picture will be a hundred times better, which should be a good value for people. And I'll enjoy doing it because I love teaching people about stuff that I know something about a little bit because I learn a, bit, a little bit more about it myself as I'm teaching it or making the video. And it's just fun. And I'm using a camera while I'm doing it. So it's like it's, it goes hand in hand, you know, reptiles, cameras, and that's kind of where well, and it's my... it's not that hard. I think people think it's a lot harder than it is. I built basically a little light studio. I bought a piece of tile from Lowe's that it was the right color that I liked. It was a gray like slate tile. And I built a light box out of a, a milk crate and some fabric and then put lights around the outside of it. And it probably the whole thing probably cost me less than 40 bucks. The crate was the most expensive because I bought the expensive crate, not the cheap one. So, yeah. I mean, and I get really good. I'm not, I'm not toot my own horn, but like I'll get a picture and then I'll see other people post uh, snakes for sale next to mine. I'm like, what? Why couldn't you just get a better picture? Like it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> well, and then it's spoiler alert too. I'm going to put a method on there where you don't need to buy anything and you can get a good photo. I'm going to put that on there too. Heck yeah, I'm definitely I mean, going to watch that. I used to. Just, <laughs> when I used to just go outside, the best thing was like, just go outside when it's overcast and you get diffused light and your pictures are way better than underneath a light bulb in your house. Hey, stop giving away my video. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no one listens to that. Make sure you go watch Brian's video. <laughs> right, that may or may not be you have to watch. It's not, it's not a rocket science stuff I'm going to talk about. Anybody can figure this out. But you know. Now, in the room, in my reptile room, I just changed the lights to like the bright LED lights. And that just was night and day for my pictures because I used to not really take pictures very often. Um well, now I just don't have time, and that's why I don't take pictures very often. But well, you also don't have snakes; they're at other people's houses. So yeah, I'm, I don't have my snakes with me. So, but anyway, you know, just changing the the lights in my room, and I I have an iPhone six S. Like that's old. Like they, how? They don't why? Even, I know they don't even support it anymore. <laughs> that's how old my phone is. Can and you can you even pictures. update it at all? No, I, I the don't last update one it. I did. Down. Yeah. I, it's it's not going to be good. I, I really do need to get a new one. <laughs> but yeah, but even with that old ass phone, just changing the lights in my room, like really dramatically fixed pictures. Oh, yeah. It's all photography is all about lighting. That's all it's about. So my wife had a minor in photography. And so while we dated in, in college, I would go with her to the to the lab. and I'd watch her develop film and I'd watch her do photo shoots. So I learned a little bit here or there. And so I was like, I can do this. It's, it's not that hard. Yeah. I'm, it's not, I'm, you just got, you're selling yourself. Like, yeah, you've got the animals. The, the next person probably has an animal that looks just like yours. You just got to make sure that yours looks better to whoever's buying it. Yeah. And so, and one of the other things I'm going to cover in the video is not just making it look, making it look accurate. You know, the big thing is like yeah. accurate color and, and lighting. Cause the other thing you don't want to do is have a photo that looks so good that it's not real. And they get the snake and like, what the hell? This is doesn't look anything like what the yellows are dull. What's going on with this snake? The picture, you know what I mean? Getting the accurate. Yeah. Well, and definitely like, like for things that are about co like pattern, if you're a snake, if the thing about it is pattern, make sure you get a full shot of the body in pattern not just a shot of its head that doesn't that doesn't tell me enough right so. speaking of getting snakes from people i i've got a uh i've had this voucher burning a hole in my pocket for designer exotics for like three years now. do you really yeah well i um at one of the carpet fest auctions i i won it on the auction and um i just i don't oh my gosh, uh, that was that is like four sounds five, like that's like four years old 
someone needs be. a blood python yeah i do actually well at the time it was it was you know it's for it's not for nothing but you know the snake that i would want to get is like the voucher is just a small chink in the armor of that snake Sure. yeah so i, I just had never pulled the trigger on but i'm getting closer to being ready actually to pull that trigger so i'll we can we can talk a little bit later but i'm gonna all right I'm we got some good male. stuff this year yeah, and some do. good stuff coming if you like Sumatrans too. So nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I got this big, uh, big normal blood girl sangria that I got off of um, giant keeper back at one of the San yeah. Diego shows years ago. And she's just beautiful and huge. And she, um, she has a, a boyfriend that's here on, on loan, but I'm looking to maybe get her a boyfriend that can hang out with her on a more uh, permanent basis. Is the one on loan, is that the one from Travis? It or is. no? Okay. It is. A Matrix, right? Correct. Or no? Yeah, okay. I know that snake. <laughs> I don't remember if he had, I don't think he had a name for this one. He had another one that was named Scar, I think. This one, I don't think had a name because I gave it a name when it got here. Sangre. Super I, I have absolutely no idea what, what his <laughs> name was. <laughs> well, I, I know he had two males at the time. That's why I'm just not, I'm not sure if it was that one or the other one. Yeah. You're thinking of. But yeah, it is a Matrix. And produced a nice clutch with her um, last year, which was my first Blood Python clutch that I'd ever produced. And it was awesome. Super cool. Just little babies and they're sticking your hand in the tub and they're just all biting you at the same oh, time. It's just so <laughs> cute. Getting it's adorable it's adorable they did i mean i think i literally got bit maybe you know to call it short at least 60 times in the course of you know a five minute video and i think that only one of them actually drew blood and that's how cute it is Uh, (laughs) okay let me get back to some of these answers all right so (laughs) we also had uh so some of them were yes they would like to do education and all that and that'd be cool I liked this one because we, we tend to think when people are like, hey, do you want a job working with reptiles? A lot of us jump straight to breeding. Um, and then, you know, and now there's YouTube and all, but this one was pretty good. Uh, oh, dude, James, sorry. I'm, I'm going to cut you off just for a second. I literally just got, I've got my phone on silent, but I looked down for a second and I got a text message just now. It says, how do I get a black background in my hatchling pictures like Will Banks does on Morph Market? <laughs> I, had to, I had to read that to you. It just came in. <laughs> What oh, timing, right? right? <laughs> sorry, back to the <laughs> So, uh, Lavisa, Lavisa, I'm sorry, I apologize if I mispronounced your name, says, yes, absolutely. She's currently, uh, I'm currently about to enroll in a vet tech program so I can get my degree and then specialize in reptiles and exotics, which is another route you could go working mm. with reptiles. You don't have to do zookeeping. You don't have to breed, but being a vet tech or, you know, exotics vets, it's hard, but the, the exotic vet jobs are out there. Those are cool jobs too. And needed. Uh, yes. Uh, and then I like Ryan Holland. He said in theory he would, but he's afraid of the pressure of having to sell animals or sh- have shows booked to put food on the table, which is probably the scariest thing for anyone. Uh, you're afraid that you won't make enough money doing it, which would be like probably my fear. Yeah, that's you know? mine too. I had that, that same fear because I was at one point thinking to do just that, you know, like try to make a living just breeding and selling snakes. And um, I mean, I, I am fortunate that it, that it didn't go that way because I wouldn't want to be in that position. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think I like- I'd want to be in the position where like I have to sell the snakes because I need to, to live. Like I would, yeah. I want to still just be in the position that I want to, like, even if it is like a legit full time business, I want it to be like, I want to be in a position where it's, it's not, I'm not dependent on it for my livelihood. 
And I think you can you can get it there. People people are able to get it there where they don't have to sell the snake, but like where they're doing well enough, where they've got enough capital, they've got enough income coming in, where the business is just kind of growing, and they don't have to sell a snake. It's like I need to sell the snake, otherwise I'm not going to eat. It mm-hmm. can definitely be done, but you, you definitely have to go through the. I think you most likely in most cases we're going to have to go through that period of I need to sell the snake so I can live in my house. Well, and I was listening right. to uh, I'm, I'm not a frog person, but there was the new podcast, the Amphibicast. Um, and they had um, Alex, a frog daddy on there, and he was talking about going into business selling frogs, and it just kind of happened. He he had pets, and then he had more pets, and then they were breeding, and then they had be- – and so it was a slow grow, and then all of a sudden he had a business, uh, which I think is probably the far less scarier route than, all right, I'm quitting tomorrow. Hope I can produce enough snakes next month. Like that scares me. Like slowly growing into it definitely seems more viable than, all right, I got to make sure I put these things together and hopefully they have babies. I think it is true that if you are going to go into business doing something that you love, there's there's going to be that moment in most, you know, there's always going to be that outlying situation. But for the most part, it's going to be scary. You're going to have to get yourself way outside your comfort zone. You have to bust your ass and probably not sleep very much in the process of getting to where you, you want to be with it. Just uh, speaking from personal experience. And maybe eat a little bit more ramen. Yeah, yeah. Or nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great diet. <laughs> I, I've eaten nothing today. Here we are. It's like <laughs> uh, Stephen Livingston and Eric Burke both had kind of the same answer. They and it's kind of the new thing that's going on. But they both like to open like serpentariums, which I think would be cool. I would love to do yeah. that. I would yeah. love to open a serpentarium because it allows me to do educational stuff while also having a really awesome collection. That's what I think. What what Brian is doing right now is phenomenal, man. The, the, where he where he's been able to go with that is that's like a dream. I think for a lot of people, it's definitely for me, like to have a, a space like that where people come and you're able to make that your business and yeah. have personal, you know, public interactions with the animals like that and have those amazing displays set up. I mean, it looks, it looks great. I want to swim with those anacondas. Dude, they even do like yoga classes there. That's cool. Yeah. Only have I'm, the fish, the, the foot, the foot thing with the fish. <laughs> that's, that's a funny thing. That's more like the, the drinking game he invented, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, the, being able to swim with the, the yo, snake yoga, I thought about it cause my wife teaches yoga. So I've definitely thought about, you know, doing a video just of her doing yoga with, with snakes, but I don't know how feasible it would be. It would be more of a challenge. You'd have to, that's a very, very niche market there. Snake yoga. <laughs> Look, if goat yoga can make it, you can do snake yoga. <laughs> well, that's easy. That's again where we have this this bias where we live in this little special bubble where uh, goats do it. Why can't snakes? Because people love goats and people hate snakes, just generally speaking. <laughs> hey, the snake is less likely to crap on you. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, though, you know, the goat also got a pretty bad rap going. So if the goats can do it, I do believe the snakes can do it, too, because goats so- and all those cloven hoofed animals, they they were they. They're painted as Satan for quite some time. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. Big chance. <laughs> um, that's why I'm excited about seeing like Emily when this all this COVID stuff's over. Emily and Ed's Serpentarium, they're also putting our Reptarium, whatever they're doing. I'm interested to see that. It's, it'd be really cool. That'd be fun to go to and visit for sure. You're, you're up that way right now. Right now, but who knows if I'll be there later. Uh, Travis Wyman said, nope, this is his hobby. And it keeps him saying if he had to make a living off of it, he's not sure he'd be able to enjoy it as much. And I can see that side too. Uh, it becoming too much work for some people who just use it as a, a release. I can, I can definitely give some credit to that type of comment too. Cause I, you know, music that happened with music for me, I played music most of my life and then I started making a living with music and, slowly but surely it started to become work and 
that sucks when you when you the thing that you love to do starts to feel like you're like you're working, which you wouldn't think that that's can happen with me, but it's just the environment that it becomes, you know, everything becomes work um, if you let it. And it, it can be real tough to keep that from happening. If you make what you love work, it, it's not, I've been treading water very carefully kind of with what I've been doing here to not let that happen um, with this, like it did for a bit with music with me. Not that it has to, but it, it can. So Travis, you got a real good point. And then uh, Riley said, yes, he's doing that now. He has a new job, which is kind of cool. So he's really doing it now. Yeah, I can't wait to go up there and, and film his new job. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching it because who knows when I'll get over on your side of things. Yeah, I'm I'm planning on spending some real time getting some nice, beautiful shots. He, he showed me, I'm sure he showed you guys some pictures of, of what's going on over there. I, I can't wait to just like bring the camera in there and put it on a gimbal and just like get some steady shots and put in some music. Oh, I love doing it. Oh, so we had a bunch of other answers, but they kind of all fell within that same realm. Um, but it was really interesting to see. Like I said, I, I think for me, if I could do something like a Reptarium, Serpentarium, and, and breed on the side for whatever, but to be able to have people come in and do educational programs. Because as a, you know, I worked in a zoo, I enjoyed when I got to do educational programs with reptiles. And I enjoy still going. I still do them uh, at like schools and stuff during the summer when they have summer schools. My wife and I will go do them. Um, and we also... This would have been our third year, but we didn't get to do it. We started Reptile Day here in central Louisiana, and it was a huge – I think last year we had over 2,000 people at it. It was one day event. Just people came out just to see and learn about reptiles, and we had a bunch of little booths set up with different reptiles they could see and some they could touch. Uh, and so that's a bunch of fun. And so I'd, I'd enjoy that part of it, I think. Yeah. Um, I think having you know, 500, 600, 700 baby snakes to take care of and try and sell <laughs> – that might stress me out too much. It's a certain type of person that finds pure nothing but enjoyment in cleaning up snake shit for that many little babies. And not that that person's not out there. Well, I think we know lots of them. But yeah. Oh yeah, they're out there. Uh, the great, I guess, the great part for some of them is once they reach a certain point, they can pay someone else to also help clean that shit. So it makes it a little less. Yeah, I, I even have I've I've got quite an affinity for for feces for what not like any weird like <laughs> fetish thing just like but I do find poop quite fascinating. It, it has been a, a constant in my life. One of my favorite videos I made on Triple B TV was a a retic um uh, just the one is pooping, enormous like the close up. Yeah, oh, and I, re I even wrote a song. So called, there's a little rap song. Happy if you find it. Okay. If you guys are listening and you haven't seen this video, it's very short. Only take two minutes of your time. Perfect for short attention spans. Retic reticulated Python has a massive bowel movement. And I guarantee my video will be the first one to pop up. Oh. It'll be pretty obvious which one it is. And I wrote the song. The song is playing. I recorded and wrote that song just for the poop. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was it reminds me of a video I saw today. Uh, Ryan Dumas did a video called Keeping Zoo Day Job Glimpses. And he, like, it was just him. Uh, he was a zookeeper. And it's kind of the things he just does during the day. And the thing I noticed was there was not enough fecal matter in that video. Because I've been a zookeeper. And a big chunk of your day is just cleaning up shit. And he did not have nearly enough in there. Like He showed all like the cool stuff. No, you need to show where you're shoveling tortoise shit for 30 minutes because there's crap nonstop. <laughs> I like I like Ryan's uh, video that he started. I'm sorry to say that my end might have been that what dropped. Well, I made my video. I've tried to call Kevin over there. I know it's hard to, guys those guys to get him on a on a video on a certain topic. Is sometimes he's busy all over the place. But you know what I'm talking about. His uh, Ryan started that um, enrichment challenge for yes, yeah. And then and then Riley picked it up, and then Riley called me out, and I I called out nerd, 
and I haven't seen one come out from Nerd yet. Which I mean, they put a lot of them out before in the past, but I'd like to see another one of, of current one. Yeah, and they got tons of monitors. They can do tons of enrichment. Yeah, and that's why that's why I call them. I'm I'm calling you guys again right here. Somebody, Rob, Jeremy, Rob one of you guys Jeremy. listening. Yeah, oh, yeah. Speaking of that, April was on a podcast not that long ago, <laughs> and before she went on the podcast, she was like, "Oh, I'm definitely going to plug our podcast." I, I listened to it. <laughs> I was waiting the whole time. I'm like, oh, she's going to mention us. She's going to mention us. Not one damn time does this podcast get mentioned in the I entire totally time. I forgot. I'm so, te- I'm a terrible co-host. I just want to let everyone know this. <laughs> I'm, watching, I'm watching the countdown, how much time's left in the podcast. Like, there's like 30 seconds left. There's no way she's going to mention it. There's only 30 seconds. She can't talk about us. And then it ends. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> he was so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad. I knew, I knew, I did, I knew, I did a bad thing. <laughs> it happens, you know. Things, things happen. Just don't let it happen again, April. I know, I know. Learn from your mistakes, man. April. I'm gonna have like post-its everywhere when I'm doing a podcast next that says the Reptile Gumbo Podcast is everywhere. <laughs> Mention the podcast. Yeah. It's all right, though. You know what? I it is also refreshing when when people just want to be self-promoting all the time there's there's something very refreshing about that so i enjoy the title i enjoy the title of your podcast just because it seems so i don't i don't know how to explain it 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 seemed like there was no thought but there was thought in it and it's amazing it was a combo of both it was one person thinking about another person's words while they weren't thinking about what they were thinking about necessarily. That well, was that's just confusing all over the place. I know. It was, I know it's, it's, <laughs> he doesn't, he still doesn't like the name. He came up with it, even though he wasn't trying to, that's my point. He, he came up with it. I was like, Oh, that's the name. And he was I like, just, what, what's the name? I was like, you just said it. He's like, I said, what? I said, the name of the podcast. And I, like, like, what did I say? who's on first. <laughs> right. And uh, he still doesn't like. I had to sell him so hard on why I thought it was, and I was like, "Dude, you said it." <laughs> well, it's it's a gimmick without being a gimmick. Like it's it's funny, and it definitely seems like something like it seems like something Garrett would have come up with because he's so much of like, "All right, let's do whatever will get us the most attention." That's great attention because searchable as reptiles. It's like it just tells you like you search for reptiles on on podcast things, and it's going to come up. He he never really agreed fully to the name. I just kind of bulldozed. The, I was like, this is, no, you, this is what the name's going to be, Hartle. And you can just deal Something. with it. Talk over me all you want. It's still searchable as reptiles. <laughs> that was when I named this one. I was like, I need to have reptiles in it. So when people search for it, they find me. And people get mad though sometimes because it'll be like a whole 45 minute. Like we eventually do touch on reptiles at least at some point, which was the idea behind the name is that it's just at least searchable as reptiles, even though if it's not really going to be about reptiles all the time. And um but it does eventually touch on reptiles in every episode, even if it's like just a footnote. You know, it's funny. I've, so many people, I think, thought that if they're going to do a podcast, they have to have interviews. It has to be very informative. And those are good. But so many people enjoy the podcast where people just bullshit for an hour. Well, like, that was the reason we started. Well, That's the main reason behind starting. We had such great conversations all the time. I was like, dude, we just need to like record these because I – I feel like there's a lot of good stuff. And then we proceeded to go for a year doing one episode a month, trying to get to the conversation that we have when the thing's not hitting record, you know, when we haven't hit record. I was like, Oh my God, Garrett, stop trying to sell super dwarves for half a second. Let's have a normal conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Which he's done a fairly good job of to be fair, but. My favorite 
was I don't even remember what y'all were talking about. I just remember y'all were like laying in the back of a truck and you could hear crickets in the background drinking. It was like one of the early episodes, like that was maybe episode one two. or two. Yeah. I just like I can picture that and that's hilarious. Just laying just laying there awkwardly recording a podcast in a garage. Yeah, it was it was right after Pomona. We were in my father in law's garage. Garrett was in the back of the truck. I rigged up uh, the microphone because so, he was dead tired. He was like, "I don't even want to do this." It's like we have to. You're flying on a flight tomorrow morning at five. This is our only chance to record this thing in person, which is something that's important to me, obviously. And um, I rigged up a thing so he I gave him, got him a pillow, lay in the back of my father in law's truck, wrapped the mic cable around one of the rafters in the garage so the mic would just dangle right above his mouth so he could just literally <laughs> lay there and talk. And I got jealous of it, of what he was doing. And I was sitting there on the cement floor of the garage. I was like, all right, that's it. I wrapped my own mic cable around my father-in-law's truck's side mirror and laid there next to the truck. And yeah, the cricket wouldn't shut up. <laughs> See, I thought that was hilarious. That worked out pretty well. I liked it. Thanks. Uh, so, all right, moving, <laughs> moving on. Uh, each, each, each week we post asking what everybody else, what they saw that week, what they wanted to talk about. And we got some good ones. Uh, Steven Livingston posted a video from Kentucky Reptile Zoo. It was like a slow-mo video of a black neck cobra. They're taking out for like a milking show and all. It's kind of a cool video if you want to see a slow-mo video of a venomous snake freaking out. Uh, let's see. Where was, oh, Travis ta- posted a thing from the Orient Society from the status of – I had this before I got on the podcast, so I'm going to pronounce it now. The status of Ophidiomycosis. Ophidiomycosis. There you go. Ophidiomycosis. Snake fungal disease mm. uh, in Georgia and beyond. And it was it was an interesting article. It's got, a, I mean, it's, it's kind of long. It's got a lot of, a lot of information. But uh, one of the big things that took back took away from it was the amount of like indigo snakes that have it, um, which is a big thing when you're talking about a snake that already is in, endangered. And then now there's something else that can wipe it out. Um, so if anyone wants to read the article, it's a long article, but it talks about it. Um, it goes pretty in depth uh, with the numbers and how many they're finding, but I mean, it's it's not overly promising. So, yeah, and every, everything that's that's awesome and brutal with reptiles is just in the southeastern United States, isn't it? Yes. Gosh. Uh, your your indigos are are the Easterns or Texas? Eastern. Eastern. That's what I thought. Okay. Such a cool snake. I just can't deal with the amount of shit, but such a cool snake. <laughs> they it's, they keep me on my game though because i know i i gotta go downstairs you know whether it's day or night like i go i come down here often but the first thing i always do when i come in is like oh, let's check the indigos because chances are <laughs> well like and they, they paint too right like it's not just like a pile of shit it smears it it does tend to smear uh yes it tends to smear there are times I, the substrate helps a lot that i use robert bruce who produced them who's a you know a mastermind with with indigos um he recommended a substrate of uh aspen shavings with a 50 50 mix of these um reptile pellets not reptile pellets they're they're newspaper compressed newspaper oh, i've pellet. seen those like so use like rabbits and stuff yeah and i wouldn't recommend him using using that with really any other species necessarily indigos have a certain way of eating that they it seems they don't accidentally ingest one of those things you do not want a snake to accidentally ingest one of these newspaper pellets it's not going to be good for the snake so but that is the substrate they massively expand right right so that that is the substrate he recommended and he is the person that produced these and has been producing them for a long time so i went with his recommendation and it does help immensely with the uh the smearing it tends to clump and stay l- mostly localized but even with that yes there's there's smearing 
Oh, Ryan Holland posted a article about thousands of tarantulas crawling across Colorado for mating season. That's so cool, but super cool. Kind of terrifying I would, too. I would love I'd to be, see that. I'd be, so there's this beach in California. It's Halama Beach, and it's this like, curvy road to get down to this beach campground thing. And they used to have where the tarantulas would cross over in like mass amount like that. And the first thing I think of is like, man, if they're on the road and people are trying to get through, like how many squished tarantulas are there going to be? That's sad. A lot. I don't want to squish tarantulas. Depending on the road traffic, of course, but. Well, and this like, this article gives you a breakdown of the best time and the best place to see them. So September is the ideal time of year to view them specifically around uh, September 10th. There'll be some in October. Uh, Venture out on a day that is warm, preferably not windy. Some will be active in the late afternoon. Things really pick up about an hour before sunset, so around 5.45 to 6 p.m., and the peak lasts for about an hour. Uh, it says, ideal viewing south of La Junta on Highway 109 on the Comanche National Grassland. Uh, there are cars and trucks traveling the road at all times. People will have to keep them on their radar. So, like, that gives you the exact spot to go, what time of year, what time of day, what weather to look for. So, if anybody wants to go see them, and if you see them, send us a picture of just tons of tarantulas crossing the road. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. It's really cool. Get some National Geographic type photos for us. <laughs> if it if it's in with our creepy talk about centipedes we had last week with Dominique. Mm, we don't centipedes. need to revisit that. <laughs> I, I posted I posted on our page. I found a centipede the other day in our house, like a good sized centipede. Uh, I still have it. I put it in a deli deli cup with some bedding, you know, some uh, soil and cork, cork bark, and uh, some isopods. But I'm gonna keep it for a few days and see if it'll calm down enough to let me feed it a baby dubia because I just want to get a picture of it eating a dubia, hmm. and then I'm gonna let it go. Centipedes are gnarly. Yeah, yeah they creep me out. Yeah, that's pretty cool about that that tarantula article. It's it's cool. That's where the internet and there's some real positive and, and strong things that can come from it. You get people excited about certain things they wouldn't have known about, and then they can go and hopefully make it a positive thing. You know, sometimes it can go the other way. Of course, you get too many people involved in something, it starts to go south. But you know, something like that, you get people excited about these tarantulas crossing the road, and people show up and they're there to support the tarantulas, and then hopefully, like deter people from running them over or, you know, create a, create a positive thing for the, the animals that, you know, the road is having a negative effect on. Well, it becomes like the uh, garter snakes in Canada. Like that, I, I want to go see that once, just once in my life. I want to go see all those garter snakes come out at the same time in Manitoba. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's one of those, like you see it on the great thing is you ever see on the side of like U-Haul trucks, they have like things for certain areas in the country. But there's a U-Haul truck out there that actually says Manitoba and it has garter snakes on it. And it's got information about that. And I was like, that's so cool. It's on the side of a U-Haul truck just traveling down the road. That's not where you would think you'd see that. No. <laughs> it tells you about tells you about garter snakes in Manitoba. So that was cool. Knowledge, knowledge is awesome. <laughs> uh, here's some knowledge. So Dominique shared this article. Alligators may be able to survive venomous snake bites. They, uh, alligator blood inhibits a key toxin in the venom of vipers such as rattlesnakes and copperheads. That makes sense. I mean, they've survived everything else. <laughs> well, That's it also true. makes sense. I mean, <laughs> you think about these snakes swimming across the top of the water, they're going to they're gonna try and eat them. So apparently the ones that don't die from eating them are the ones that live and pass on their genes. And sooner or later, you end up with alligators that can eat venomous snakes. Yeah, yeah. Which Good on you, alligators. In this article, they talk about finding baby alligators in cottonmouth stomachs. So it's just the circle of life there. Oh yeah, see that's the, that's the, always the interesting thing about so many snakes is like they they start out being on the menu for the things that are going to be on the menu for them if they make it to adulthood. 
Yes. Yep. Uh, Stephen Livingston. Oh, he posted a, another article, but I think we talked about it before. They found a pill that might uh, help at least slow down snake bites. It deals with taking out heavy metals. It's a pill for taking out heavy, heavy metals and blood, but apparently it also helps in slowing down the effects of snake venom in your blood, oh, wow. which would be really awesome for some of these countries that, you know, don't have the medical uh, system that we have or, med- you know, the ability to get antivenom like we do. Yeah. So, so I thought that was really, really cool. So that was our, that was our post for the week. Oh, wait, I think this one from Dominique, uh, Hold on. Let me see. She, there was one more from Dominique. I can't remember if I've clicked on it. Um, but I think it was the one where, oh yeah, it's a bobcat. Like, well, it kind of sucks, but it's a bobcat that ends up eating a baby alligator. But like, ends up it's fighting this little baby alligator on the back porch, and that's like, and then it just says Florida because that's that's exactly Florida. Your backyard is a bobcat fighting an alligator. <laughs> Florida's intense, man. It is. It's almost not the United States. I know. Yeah, it's, well, it's it's people always talk about the South. I'm like, there's the South, and then there's Florida. Then Florida. There's, Florida. The pan, there's the Panhandle of Florida. That's the South. But anything below that is not the South. It's just Florida. <laughs> it's its own world. It, it's not. It's not. I get that it's located geographically in the Southeast, but it's not the Southeast. <laughs> I need to spend more time. I've spent a limited amount of time there, but I, I need to spend more. There's still so much to see there, especially reptile speaking specifically. Yeah, there really oh, is. Yeah. So that brings me to YouTube stuff. So there were some cool things on YouTube I saw this week. Uh, Blake Six, not that April watched any of the stuff that posted, but here's some cool stuff that I saw. Uh, yeah, Blake's terrible. Exotic Animal Ranch. The title was World's Biggest Reptile Zoo. And then as soon as the thing post like opened up and I started watching, I was like, oh, I know where he's at. He was at Ty Park's Iguana Land, mm. uh, which has been interesting to watch all the different videos. Uh, Camp Kennan was there. Some other ones were there just to watch as that place has been built. Um what Ty Park is doing there is amazing. The setup he's doing for all the turtles and tortoises and then lizards and stuff. So I, I want to go Ty there, too, man. He's a sweetheart of a man. I feel like he's one of those that has definitely forgotten more about reptiles than I will ever learn. That's that's possible. I, I, I really enjoyed the little bit of time I got to spend there with him. He's one of the few, uh, one of the few men that is uh, kissed me on the cheek and I didn't feel like it was gay. <laughs> Well, the the video is really cool because it shows them going and uh, it may have been the first video. I think there were two videos that people not, did. Not but, the, sorry, not that there's wrong with gay kissing on the cheek. It's, it's fine. Just. Yeah. <laughs> get over yourself, people. <laughs> so, I would accept uh, a gay kiss just as much as a straight kiss, whatever. <laughs> so at the next show, any guys, just come up and kiss Brian next time you see him. I mean, once we can get close, I mean, you still got to stay six feet apart. Stay six feet apart and give them air kisses. Right, just right. Blow him, blow him a kiss. Oh, hard left. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, Ty Park, they show him like digging up uh, iguana eggs, which is really cool. Um, you know, it's it's weird though, because I guess his iguanas are fine because he didn't really have a ton of green iguanas. He does mostly uh, like rock iguanas and all. But the Lewis set of hybrids, I think, is that what they're called? Isn't that what they're called? The, the Lewis Eye? Yeah. That was That's the, the hybrid between the blue. Isn't that the blue? No, I don't know. It's a lizard. I just know some of my friends have the hybrids <laughs> and they're cool. But I liked he had the two. If you watch the video, it shows these two giant rows of turtle setups that he has that he's made um, for housing. I forget how many species of tur- turtle and tortoise he plans on having there, but it will basically be the largest collection of species, at least. 
possibly in the world when it comes to turtles and tortoises. Maybe not the largest number of turtles and tortoises, because I'm sure some of these farms in other countries make tons of them. But he's going to have a ton of species, which is really cool. Now, the last so. time I was there, or the only time I was there, was just before I think he was about to start going on that rampage of of building all kinds of stuff. So I'm, I'll be excited to go and see what what has become of it. Yeah, I've I've seen little videos here and there as it's happened because different YouTubers go there and they and they view the place. So it's been interesting to watch it get built. Um, also, because I remember before we went into that, and it was just like the uh, the old cages with the iguanas, you know, the wooden bottoms and the and the wire tops and those cages. And now what he's built past that, it's just crazy. So hopefully Florida doesn't shut him down and he can't own everything that he owns. Right. Oh my but, gosh. Speaking of which, August twenty seventh, I believe um, that we'll find out a little bit more. As far as what the ruling is going to be on the injunction, I'm pretty sh- certain that that's the date. August 27th is coming right up. Um, I got something I'll mention at the end about U.S. because we'll do your U.S. ARC thing at the end, uh, April, because I've got one for Alabama. They just had something happen today. so mm, I heard about that, too. We'll talk about that. But next video was Dave Kaufman's Reptile Adventure, which was the one where we went to – you were there uh, – Clint's Reptile Room, which was just neat. Although Clint like opened that as soon as all this happened. So <laughs> it's kind of just a room right now where people can't come see anything. Yeah, for the most part. But it's a neat, it's a neat look. Like he has his little corner where he shoots a show, but it has that that brick, that old brick look at that painting that's on the wall. It used to be the outside, which is now the inside. Yeah. So the the space used to be an alleyway between two buildings, and now now it's a building in between two buildings. Like that setup's cool. I mean, it's not this huge. I know he has plans for it down the road, but it's not this huge serpentarium yet. It's not. It doesn't have these big fancy cages, but it would still be a really cool place for people to come visit. And then you have him there to explain stuff to you and, and and show you things and have a more personal touch on, you know, this is what this is. It's just a really cool setup. I like seeing more of that happening. Yeah, me too, man. That's the that's what I would ultimately like to have something like that at some point. It's a kind of an end game goal for, for myself. And that space he's got there is is super cool. And there's an old piano in there too that works, which made it 10 times cooler for me like when i when there's a piano in a place it just i had a piano in the house growing up so when i see a piano in a place i'm just like oh it's like i'm home almost and he has one i mean what reptile room has a piano in it clint's reptile room that's which one i have a piano just outside of my reptile room does that count it's on the yeah, i mean wall. i'll i'm gonna give that a solid pass <laughs> like a good like a, a thumbs up pass like this one passes the test yes so it's I can walk right out my door and press some keys. I have no idea how to play it, but it's there. <laughs> and it's heavy as hell. Mm, yeah, that's the one thing about real pianos. They are. That's probably why it's there. Huh? So you, just, you never get a chance to move uh, it out. And- oh, we just moved. And I uh, I luckily was out of town when it moved. So my, my wife and my father-in-law uh, went and rented a piano lift from a local rental place. And they moved it themselves. And I should feel bad that I wasn't here to help. But I don't. So, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a really heavy ass piano. I didn't want to move it. That was not. <laughs> I've got a I've got a mattress that's like that piano. It's a uh, one of those California Tempur-Pedic, uh, oh. California King Tempur-Pedic things. That's heavy um, as fuck. Then, oh, and awkward and weird. Like at first, I was able to get people to come help me move it. Now people know I'm moving. They're like. The bed moved yet? <laughs> Tell me when the bed's moved. I'll come help. <laughs> we we moved at one point. And I had an old uh, pull-out couch. We just left it. I was like, I'm not moving this damn thing again. It's so heavy. It's staying here. It's their problem. Yeah. And it stayed because those things are heavy as hell. It's like an anaconda. Your wife just <laughs> texted me, James. 
She just texted me saying that you were an ass for not moving the piano. I, I never said I wasn't an ass. I just said I was glad I didn't move it. Oh, oh are people listening live? Is that it? No, she's in the other room. Uh, so, so kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so the next video next video is kind of attached it was clint's reptiles video from this week it was crested geckos versus gargoyle geckos uh and i kind of just pointed this one out because my daughter now has a crested gecko so i now kind of own a crested gecko um which are cool because he still has a tail i don't know what i'm gonna do when the tail falls off and it's in my hand i'm just hoping that i'm not the one that falls off on that's kind of where i'm at now i'm like if it i falls thought you off, didn't want I... it to be joe that it falls off on your daughter no no i don't want it to be me i don't care if it falls off in her hand it's her problem it's her lizard <laughs> God, she's she's gonna learn the rough rough lesson that it may fall off. But if it falls off, it needs to be in her hand or my wife's hand, not mine. I don't want the blame because it's not gonna grow back. So I will forever be blamed for the tail falling off. This is the weirdest thing about crested geckos is that their tails don't grow back. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I've got these blue belly lizards running out in front of my yard, all these scalopers scalopping around out there and just like dropping their tails and growing them back like there's no tomorrow. Not using them to do really anything other than I guess keep balance while they run fast then you got crested geckos climbing around in the little trees and using their tails got little sticky pads so they can help them climb they lose it and it's gone why and they're like, well, like gargoyle gargoyle geckos their cousin can grow their tail back so i'm like where where did what happened i don't know what? but i want to know i want to know this this is one of the great mysteries of reptile life that has plagued me and my thoughts is why does this crested gecko not grow its tail back when it uses it so much I mean, even tegu's growing back. I mean, green and old is all over down here growing back, but not crested geckos. They what they the remain, hell? they remain looking special. Just I don't understand. I oh. mean, they're cute though. Oh yeah, they are. They, sure, they're cute. So Clint's <laughs> reptiles. That video compared the crested gecko to the gargoyle gargoyle gecko, um, which is hard to say very fast. Uh, their their care though is pretty much the the same, um, which is weird. The gargoyle geckos haven't taken off as well. Because I've heard other people talk about, I was listening to the uh, the reptile room confessions. They were talking about the like the breeding of gargoyles isn't that hard. Um, it's just, they were saying that more people just have gotten into cresteds first and haven't moved away from it. They stayed there, so I don't know. But gar gargoyle geckos are cool looking. Like uh, they have really cool pattern, especially when you compare pattern to pattern between gargoyles and cresteds. Gargoyles look like they belong on a tree. Uh, they have a cooler name too. Let's be honest. That's true. Yep, they do. So, but that was a cool I video. I had both, and I liked both. And then I, but, now I don't have both. <laughs> I don't have any of them now. They're also super easy lizards to take care of. Ours literally lives in a tank in my daughter's room with no heat. And he's like, yeah, I'm cool. Just yeah, I've got stick a, to the window. I got crested here with uh, just ambient. It's actually Riley's, uh, Riley's gecko that he gave me, Dio, for doing the educational shows. Super cool awesome. little gecko. I think I've met that gecko before. Yeah, well, aren't very you? personable. Very personable. You're special. <laughs> uh, my next two videos come from this. I don't know this name. It's Br Brianne Cusk. I can't pronounce it. It's weird. Anyways. It's Brianna. Brianna. <laughs> so, so they come from Brian. Uh, there were two videos I liked. Okay, so the first one, people are going to laugh because the first video is titled, The Last Video I Will Ever Make on the Banana or Coral Glow Ball Python. And that's funny because... It's a video I picked, and I don't like ball pythons, but you picked the one gene in ball pythons I do like. Well, the two, banana pieds. That's like the one, if I'm going to own one, it's going to be a banana pied. Well, I got you covered. <laughs> so that's because <laughs> I, like, I was watching, like, I'll watch this video because 
I, I normally don't watch the football pythons, but that's the one thing I do like is banana pies. And and you didn't even know it was pied from the title, but lo and behold, surprise, surprise, hit the jackpot with that one. Huh? I was just, you thought it was going to be a coral globe banana, then pied too? Mm. I know. Cherry <laughs> on top. It was a banana, banana split sundae. But it turns out just like uh, I don't intend to do this in most of my videos, but apparently again with my title, it's just a big lie. No, I I don't I don't know if I'll ever yeah, make clickbait or gosh, I can't believe <laughs> I do, you. I do try to be as honest as possible with my clickbait. Like if like whatever it is in the video, like you're gonna see it. And it was I did intend for it to be the last video I would ever make on Coral Glow Banana Gene, and I I still think it will. But I messed one thing up, which is like what happens when you pair. I didn't think far enough ahead before I actually recorded, didn't write anything down and just recorded, which is, you know, kind of my style, but also leads to my demise often is this video is going to make me a liar when I have to make my fourth Coral Glow Pied Banana Gene to explain <laughs> what I messed up, which is, so I was talking about, you know, if you pair Coral Glow to Coral Glow to make a super the males in there that you're not going to know if it's going to be a male maker or a female maker because you don't know if it was the mom or the dad that passed it on, but Clint went in and also got a uh, Stephen Pecor, two guys went down in the comments and realized, Hey, actually you kind of messed up there. And uh, so I pinned Clint's comment and I, I call I give them both a shout out in my next video where I'm like, I was wrong guys. It's not that complicated. I made it way more complicated than I needed to. All the rest of the information is good, except for the fact that as long as you know, if the male in the pairing, we did a coral glow to coral glow is a male maker or female maker, then all of the males in that clutch, their single gene coral glow will be according as as the father was because of what is possible to be passed on. Now, then we get those other thing in the loop where you know potentially the, the gene can jump chromosomes sometimes in pairing. So sometimes you end up with a male maker from a female maker, or you know you can get a male from a female maker um, randomly. And then I heard Kevin put out a video recently saying that it's all scratched all of a sudden. I was like, wait a minute, wait, this is going too far. So you know, let you guys figure that out. There's still more confusion. Maybe not the last video on Coral Glow. So the gain from there is I can't trust anything you say. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can put as much stock in it as you want to, but it is just my opinion and coming from my personal experience, you know, which is where everything else comes from. So that's all that you can put into it. So I want to be honest. So when I first found your channel, I don't know how long ago, I didn't watch Wait, so your stuff. So you've been lying this whole time? No, I have not. When I first found it, I was like, I'm not going to watch this because I felt it was I, I, I'm very against clickbait. And, and I felt like yours was like very clickbaity. But then I started watching. I'm like, it's really not not it's not clickbaity in the way that I'm like, I don't like this. Like it, it draws you in, but it delivers in the end. Like it's not going to be like I almost got eaten by my snake. And then like they fed a garter snake a fish. Like it's not <laughs> it's not that no i definitely don't i don't try i i mean i clickbait is kind of how youtube works to get people to, i mean you get people to click on the video otherwise they're not going to watch it but i do i do really try to like incorporate it in a way that it's enticing but it does deliver that's and that's more and more that's always my goal i feel like i'm getting better and better as time goes on like you know this enticing thumbnail and title by the way the thumbnail is always a screen grabber too from the video itself. So I don't ever just like put something that's not in the video on the thumbnail. You're always going to see visually whatever it is you're seeing on the thumbnail at some point in the video. But I am working hard to make them enticing and yet deliver, like you're saying. So, uh, sorry, what was what was the video? I don't know. The, well, the thing is, when I watch any of your videos, the thing that brought me into it, the, re the reason I was like, I mean, I can watch this is 
that's you. Like you can definitely tell watching your videos. That is you. That's not you making a video and doing whatever for a video. It's a hundred percent the way you would be on a video or in person sitting in your room. Like, and so that made it much easier. I'm like, I can watch this. And plus you didn't do 5 million ball Python videos. So I was like, I'm good. <laughs> but I, I, like I said, you're, you're now on my list of things that when they, when they come up, I watch all of them and you have two channels. So now I have to watch two channels. So you and Dave are about having two channels and me having to watch two different channels. Yeah, I've got four. Dave's a slacker. <laughs> God, Dave, get off your ass. Do some stuff. Uh, he's uh, The reason I probably won't make it to Herb's Conroe is he's coming. Uh, it looks like he's coming out here to California for for that week. And we're going to go around and check out, uh, do a little mini California tour with him. Check out Brian Gundy, do some herping. We go up to... Um, Riley's place in his new job. Check out the East Bay Vivarium and uh, Freedom Breeder and a couple other couple other stops. I think while he's out here, but yeah, Dave's been Dave's become a real good friend, man. We have so much fun, and I I pick on him a lot just to help him grow as a person. Is really what I'm doing, and I'm just being honest with him. You know, <laughs> you're I, doing I, it for him. To your point, like uh, I mean, on the video, I it's not that I try, but I do. That's what I want to do when I'm making a video. I don't want to be um, contrived. You know, I just want it to be real. Because the main reason I started was to make real connections with people, and it's worked. It because I I do that's my goal. I, I don't have anything to gain from making up some fake shit on the video. Like I just want to have some real connections out there with people, and it's it's happening. And, and with Dave, for some reason, I just give him the worst time. You'd think I was a horrible friend, but I I I really no, I the, two of, Dave. the two of y'all in Australia fucking with each other was the best. Like that stuff was hilarious. <laughs> You mean me fucking with Dave and him yeah, crying? About <laughs> him trying to record stuff and you popping up. <laughs> it's, it is a lot of fun, and that's that's always the goal. That's that's always the goal with with anything, especially if you're making videos. I, I always say this: if people want to try and make videos on on YouTube and and be successful with it, if you're having fun doing it, you're successful. Yeah, that, that's it. That's all it takes. It's, it's, it's it sounds easy, but it can it can be a lot of work too. Don't get me wrong. It's <laughs> well. My second video from you was one you posted recently was the very first clown pie ball python ever, and that's not why I watched it. But I knew that you it was in the line of videos where you were still in Utah and with all that. And I was like, I want to see what this is, but it fits with our question. If you wanted to make reptiles a living, well, you were at TSK, and uh, and that was really cool just to see that whole setup and that walk in the way they do their walk in incubator with the glass tops on the styrofoam yeah, those boxes. Are cool. Those are super cool. Was really neat. And them having that gigantic male ball python that was like 500 years old. Yeah. That was a, that was a well, big 29, but you know, 500, same thing. And snake years. It's and snake. Years. You got to do the math. Oh, what is the math? I know the one for dogs. What is it for snakes? It's uh, whatever comes out to be 500. So, oh, gosh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but. But yeah, that was that, a, that was a fun that was a fun video. I'm glad that it uh that it seemed to do pretty well, and it was a uh, you know there it's was like very a much moment thing, right? That you didn't plan on that ahead of time. That just kind of came up, and you're like, yeah, no, we here. were out there. I forgot we were, we were cruising around. Dave had all these places planned, which you know usually um Dave or or somebody else or, or Brian or whoever else is on the trip has all the contacts, and I'm just like, thanks for letting me come along, guys. <laughs> but this time, this time it was me. I was like, yes, I got the car. I was like, we were out there, and I started realizing. I was like, dude. Dude, Colette and Dan are here in Utah. They moved here like a decade ago. I was like, what are we doing? He's like, well, get a hold of them. I was like, all right, all right. I hit Dan up, tried to be as nice as possible. I was like, Dan, 
I don't remember exactly. You want here? Let me. I'm gonna here. Do you mind if I read you the message I sent to Dan to try and set up a? Go ahead. Please let us paint, come by. Paint, paint the picture. I'm gonna paint the picture for you. This is the this is the message that I sent to Dan Sutherland because I didn't have Colette's contact for some reason. I just had because here's here's why I even here's how cool these guys are. I once made a post when I was doing my first reptile show when I was doing my first vending of a reptile show in Pomona. I made a post on Facebook um, and just. I was already there and I needed those little, you know, those pens that you write on the acrylic display, those chalk yeah. pens so you can write on there and just wipe them off. I needed some of those. I couldn't find them anywhere. Like no store around the promo had them. And I couldn't find them anywhere. And I wanted one. So I made a post on Facebook saying, hey, does anybody at the show have uh, one of these pens? And like within three minutes, Dan Sutherland sends me a, a PM and says, we have the wet pens at our table. If you're not able to find any, come and come and get it. I was like, oh, thanks, man. Um which it, this video was also even more full circle for me because, as I mentioned earlier, that first reptile show I went to at Pomona, that first big show, was to meet up with them to pick up a clown pied from them, um, which was the third snake that I got when I moved back from Hawaii was that clown pied. And uh, so anyway, I hadn't had a message with Dan since then. <laughs> I did finally get Colette on a video, at least, which I tried to do for years from the first time I met her. I was like, hey, can you want to do, do a little video? And she's like, no, not really. I was like, oh. Dang it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not going to be pushy about it then. And then I tried again a year later and I was like, what do you think about, uh, you know, I'm just like, no, I just, I'm like, okay. All right. Let's just show up with the camera then. Here we go. And then eventually, I guess some people bugged her and were like, Clay, you got to go over and he's got a booth set up with cameras and go over there. And, do it. and she came over. She's like, people said I need to come over and do this. So here I am. I was like, oh, thank you, people. <laughs> anyway, here's the message to Dan. Hi, Dan. Long time. I don't know if I should read this. Anyway. Okay. Hi, Dan. Long time no see. Hope you and Colette are doing well. Dave Kaufman and I are here in Utah for the week. We just filmed the video of Jason Nelson's pitch office yesterday, but didn't realize. Oh, see, I lie or not. I'm lying through my teeth. I, oh, no, I didn't realize y'all are in the same town. I didn't realize that. Okay, I'm not lying. We're now headed to St. George for a few days. If you guys would have us, we would love to come by this Thursday, Friday evening to feature TSK snakes on a video or even just to say hi. Again, hope you guys are doing well. The clown pied female I got from you guys. From you folks is thriving. Just in case you can't remember who oh I am. You're throwing that in there. Remember, I did something good. <laughs> anyway, feel free to reach back to me here on myself. Obviously, it ended up being good, and they're awesome, awesome people. And um, I don't know why I felt like I needed to read that message, but that that was it. That, because for the first time ever on one of these trips, I got to contribute to having a contact that we could meet up with, and it would be cool. You're like, yay! <laughs> it's always just me, like fish you know tailing on the back like third wheel I'm like oh I, i'm here with these guys <laughs> i have to say that um clown is my favorite ball python morph and it's because of you and your enthusiasm for the clown morph and then uh, it's also obviously a very cool morph too but that was cool Odd. yeah it no i actually i think it's cooler i really You're do wrong. i know <laughs> <laughs> guys guys I'm we can settle this right. <laughs> we can settle this. i'll have clown pies for both of you next season no, just... yay so excited <laughs> <laughs> but i really like bananas too so i'm not gonna lie so well, clown banana, pie. banana clown pie that was the first project that i decided when i decided i wanted to start breeding ball pythons banana clown pied was the first thing I was like, that's, that's what that's, I want to shoot That's for. what it is. That's, that was your it for a while, huh? It is. It's still, I haven't produced next season. Um, should Heck be the yeah. year that I finally do it. All right, here, send me, send me here's my, here's my lack of, uh, ball Python genetics question. I always see blade clown. Those two things are not the same, right? 
Uh, apparently not. Yeah, there's, there's people have separated out the blade from clown. It did originate with clown, if I'm understanding correctly. Um, I'm also, believe it or not, as knowledgeable about um, ball python morphs as probably many other people. But yeah, the blade did come in with clown, and now there's super blade. And I, honestly, blade doesn't do much for me. I like a lot of pattern in a, in a snake, and when you do blade clown, it becomes this very patternless snake. So just a, I like it because it makes it super clean. I like. Super yeah, well, then you like it. You want a super blade clown. Yes. Sold. Well, maybe no, no, it's still a ball python. Never mind. Change your mind. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, did. I, Go ahead. I also found out somebody else had, was, uh, when I decided, like, this is what I want to shoot for is a banana clown pied. I found out, like, a couple weeks later, I was watching one of Brian Gundy's videos, and he's like, I'm going, this is the plot project. This is my pet project, but banana clown pies. I was like, no. Brian. Oh. I was like, Brian, I swear. And he's the guy that like first inspired me to like, that gave me the bump. It's like, you should make a YouTube channel, bud. And I was like, just like that, you know, bud. And I was like, uh, I'm like oh, well, if you say so, I guess I, I guess I will. And then you know, I'm watching this video. I'm like, oh no, bro, I swear I'm not stealing your name and the idea for YouTube and your ball Python project. Like, this is I'm all coincidence. Uh, just like when I found out Brian Barshak's kid's name was Noah, like after I had already had a kid and they had named him Noah before I even found Reptile YouTube channels. Like, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's gonna- <laughs> so, so Ultimate fanboy right there. Brian Cusco is super unoriginal. In case anybody's wondering, he steals everyone's ideas. All straight down to my first name. That's why we changed it to Brianna. Thank you. Bri- Brianna Cusco. <laughs> oh, oh, I did watch the video where you went herping and then you couldn't find the snake that you said you were going to be able to find. Mm. Um, and I was hoping... You were going herping in Utah. I was like, oh, maybe they'll go where there's rubber boas, but you didn't go where there were rubber boas. We went where they were. They just weren't there. I, uh, <laughs> I, I've always loved them, and I just got my first pair two weeks ago, and I just ordered uh, – technically, I just ordered two more pairs that will come this week. One of them is for a friend locally, so one pair will be mine. So I go from having none to having four at the end of this week. Wow. Yay. I'm, I'm super excited about rubber boas. And I realize it looks like a worm. Every time someone looks, sees it, it looks like a worm. I'm like, yes, what's your point? But they're so cool and they move so slow. Talk about the herping dream. Like, oh, there it is. Okay, see, if it would have been a rubber boa in that video, we'd have seen the snake. Yes. I uh, I was talking to Travis Wyman earlier because he also has rubber boas. I'm like, they feel like the colubrid of the boa world. They shit more than a regular boa because, like, I feed my boas one time. They shit one time. I feed these one time. They shit, like, three times. And then I can keep them at room temperature, which is so weird. And then they hibernate, which is also super weird because like sand boas and boa constrictors, rainbow boas, can't do that with any of those. But I bought a freaking wine cooler so I can drop these things down to 50 degrees and I have to do that and not pull my hair out while they're sitting inside of a wine cooler at 50 degrees. Yeah, right. It was nice and cool that time we found them up there in the um, Santa Cruz Mountains. Very, very, very cool morning. It's just, oh, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to be a nervous wreck for like three months while they're just sitting there freezing to death like yeah it's kind of counterintuitive like well it's a reptile that needs to be warm <laughs> yeah so but yeah i'm getting i just had to see that in there i'm getting more rubber boas and i was hoping you were going to find rubber boas when you were in utah but you did not well uh, we're gonna find some at the end of september here in california so I'll, um, I, i'm gonna go ahead and put that out there that it's gonna happen we'll stay out there until oh no 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 <laughs> Oh man, I make I'm gonna be at Dave's uh, disposal. Like if he wants to leave, it's his fault, not me. He's gonna be slacking on the sleeping overnight till till we find them. Got it. So when it's I'm let down, fault. all Dave's fault. Right. Got it. That works. Thanks, Dave. 
<laughs> Thanks a lot, Dave. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So the uh, next video was just because I saw it last night. I thought it was kind of cool. It was from SC Fishkeeping. I have a couple of Fishkeeping YouTubes I watch. But it was a DIY baby turtle pond set up for less than $40, um, which did not involve a 10-gallon glass tank and a rock and a light. So that that's doing better than most people. You just um, like dig a hole in the ground and fill it up with water. That sounds like it would work. Well, they bought like the concrete mixing tubs. You can get it at, like Lowe's. They got a tractor supply, but like, like a decent sized concrete mixing tub, uh, and uh, just one of those like in tank filters that you buy like for turtles usually, and uh, and some rocks in the middle and was, and some gravel in the bottom. And it was it was set up as like, a little pond. I mean, you, you could build a little fence around it if you want to keep it outside. Um, I was like, man, that's almost nothing for a pretty decent looking setup. Which I think is another thing where people kind of they think, well, I can't, I can't do this big elaborate setup. But sometimes the elaborate setups aren't truly elaborate; they just look different than a glass tank. And so it was kind of a cool thing to watch. Just like I said, it was less than forty bucks for them to make it for this turtle that they found. Yeah, um, those those tubs are useful, man. I, I use them for several different things here. Um, I, one of one of which is hides for retics. Yeah, not that they need them, according to some people, but hey. I think mine does, and I think I, I see my, mine's using using them right now. And here, there's another one peeing on top of the other one. Great, <laughs> great. <laughs> they're great because they're easy to clean. <laughs> I think they, I think they like to hide. Did you ever see the video of a? Uh, I think it was Brady Barr on National Geographic <laughs> where he went into the cave. <laughs> I've got a oh. bad back. I, I think he's planning something. He's planning something. <laughs> But like he went, it was one where he went to the cave full of bat guano up to I'm, his waist. I'm quoting, I'm quoting yeah. the video. Yeah. A, I, I've been in that cave, and yeah, I, oh, that's gross. It's gross, and I'm sorry, Brady, but that I I sat there with a buddy um a couple months ago who hadn't seen that video. We sat there and watched it, and I just I laughed so much. I'm sorry. If anybody, if anybody hasn't seen it, go find Brady Bar Retic Cave. And it's like three foot deep back guano. The retic goes down into the back guano like it's water and then just tears up his thigh. And they go make a post and announce that you are the one person that watches reptile YouTube videos that hasn't seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. And then he has to like walk however far forever with like his thigh just bleeding from this retic. It's a long, to be fair, it's a long walk. It's easy walk down. It's all downhill. But then that means the way back is all uphill. And it's about it's a solid hour hike. One direction, I would say. Maybe forty five minutes. So I mean, that's a big snake, and and I, I his his fear was legitimate because I mean you're way steep in bag one. That was my fear of, too. I was like, oh yeah. god, the fear of infection is is a thing for sure. I mean, that'd be a horrible way to have to lose your leg because you were in bat shit and got bit by a retic. I mean, yeah, I guess it's no. a cool story, it's but it's yeah, still it's, it's a great story. Oh, so that's what I'm thinking. Like people are like, no, you don't need hides. They were in a cave. I mean, they like to hide. I don't know how he how he feels about having so many people have seen that video. I don't know if that was the plan or not, but man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> this the part where this the part where he like throws in the part about the bad bat. I don't know if it was a slip of speed. I can't even tell. I've watched the video back. I was like, I don't know if he slipped up on what he was saying because he kept saying, "I got a bad bite. I got a bad bite." And then I got bad back. <laughs> Did he mean to say that? Let me just list all the things that are going wrong right now. <laughs> And then when he's talking oh. about it, he thinks that he's planning something. The snake, he's talking about the snake. <laughs> he's, he's planning something. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, Katie Bart. 
I got too much enjoyment out of that video for some childish reason. With all, with all that said, laughing at him, he actually does. He's an actual herpetologist. So for most yeah. people watch on TV where you're like, they're not herpetologists. The coolest thing he does is when they pump alligator stomachs. And he did have a bad bite in some gnarly ass oh. bat guano. Like there's a legitimate reason to be concerned. I've, I mean, I've seen tons of, of videos where they show bats in caves and yeah, there's bat guano on the ground, but you can walk on it and it's made like thick mud. That was like liquid. It was. Yeah. No, you're swimming. In it. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally up to your waist and it sounds like it's raining in the cave. It's just bats. Hell no. Shitting on you. <laughs> Hell no. There's no reason for me to go in. I'm, I, I, you couldn't convince me to go in there. I'd need a full-on hazmat suit. It's funny. I, I had to be dragged out. The, the, the elders of the tribe that we were down there with, I was like, I was ready to go further in the cave, which you know probably was not smart, which is yeah, you know, half the things I do. Yeah, exactly. The, the, one, of the guy, one of the elders just like, looked at me and like did the you know can't breathe motion he's like no 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 we have to leave like we're not going further and i was like all right elder of this tribe i suppose you know this place better than me i will i will listen to you what do you know i've only been here for an hour i know i can do this <laughs> no those guys were super cool i'm very fortunate that they were there with us because i probably would be dead in that cave without them <laughs> you'd be underneath all that back wanna yeah, that's I'm fairly fairly accurate because I didn't, you know, I definitely smelled, you know, there's definitely the ammonia is is strong, but my desire to find more snakes was stronger. And if it wasn't for those elders, I would, I'm gonna go on a limb and say I would be dead. Sorry, Hill and kids, I would be dead in that cave without those elders. Yeah, see, my desire for a shower would be bigger than anything else at that point. I just well, I don't think an, I could scrub myself enough. There's a nice, cool, refreshing stream right outside the cave, fresh water. It's it's beautiful. Oh, anyway, so I don't know how we got. To... Anyways, so yes, go the watch video. that video. It was the video. <laughs> and, then, and then the last YouTube video I have is from Camp Cannon, uh, just because it hits home because I have sulcatas. They found a sulcata like in his neighborhood. It wasn't one of his. One of his neighbors had a sulcata get out, and luckily they had a tag on it so you could figure out who it belonged to. But uh, that's one of those things like I feel people that are out there going, I want to own a sulcata, need to see that kind of stuff. Go, yeah, well, can you keep it in your yard? Because a lot of people can't. Because that's how one of mine, I, one of mine was found on the side of the road. Um, so that's like mine are inside of a pen, inside of a fence. They, they're going to have to dig twice if they want to get out of my, my yard. You so, sure you don't need to triple that up? Mine don't dig right now, so I'm pretty good. Okay. Just I, found, I found that if you I give like them you somewhere need, to like, go in. Knock on wood and stuff. Like, nah, I'm good. I'll knock on wood. I, I built this wood table. I'm going to knock on it for you. There we go. <laughs> I found if they have somewhere to go into, like a barn or something to go into, they don't feel the need to dig. Mm. They just go into their barn and they hang out. They're like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to hang out in here. Just looking for some shelter, huh? Yeah, that's all. They just want somewhere dark to go hide and sleep and get away from everything. And I've never had them dig, not once. Because for the longest time, I was like, well, if they can see outside the fence, they're going to try and dig. Well, that's not true because now they can see straight through to, like, my neighbors walk by. When I moved in, my neighbors would come by and want to know all about the giant turtles my backyard um and then my daughter my nine-year-old daughter's like they're tortoises which is what's happened at zoos like we'll be there and dad will walk up the kid and the dad will go look at the turtles and my daughter will look at me and i'm like nah just let it go just let it go <laughs> it's not worth it well they they are technically i know they're technically i'm not going with that the tortoises damn it <laughs> <laughs> is a dalmatian not a dog <laughs> i know that argument and it's still a tortoise <laughs> All, we we had a nice conversation about what dif dif differentiates a turtle from a tortoise um, on the Utah trip, and then we brought in sea turtles, and then it was you know terrapins versus sea turtles, and 
and all that. And then the toe walking, I didn't really actually realize that the, the tur- tortoises walk on their toes and the turtles walk on their wrists. I didn't even realize that. Unless you're talking about either. sea turtles. I learned something to look at new a, today. I'll have to look at a box turtle because I've always felt box turtles were the ones that broke the rule because they're See, very and they're, tortoise-like. And, and there's the there's the problem. But they do but they do walk on their um, their wrists, which is where that comes into play. See, and I've never – have to look at that next time. Now I'm – turning dark yeah. i'm like i have to go look at my tortoises <laughs> see if I... <laughs> and if i'm wrong I... about that uh, i'm gonna throw clint under the bus <laughs> the, the phd told him this <laughs> but uh and then i had i had two non-youtube things one was uh oh this one just drove me nuts because like i said i've been selling a lot of snakes lately and i know both of y'all have sold online uh the proper way to approach someone for an online or even in-person sale the improper way is not to just message them and go i want to buy this that's the improper way. Like, I'm tired of that message. Like, just no, a little not, more information. That's not entirely. Well, I guess the proper way would be to say, uh, um, would you take 200 for an animal you have priced at 400 in free shipping? <laughs> that's the proper way. And then the, the, the proper follow-up is when you say, well, I'll, I'll consider it. Then you say, oh, well, my wife said I can't. Nice. <laughs> yes. I just, like, because I always have to ask questions like, have you ever had these before? It's, I always want to know, like, have you had Zamboas before? Do you know what, to, like, do you have your stuff? But I feel like you should offer some of that information up if you're going to send me a message. Be like, ask more information about the snake that I'm, I've got posted. Act like you actually want to know more about it. Because I don't think I've ever sent a message to someone going, how much is this? <laughs> it is, with it the, is with pretty the price annoying on when you get that message. It's well, it's the impersonalness of you know all these messaging on the internet. Like it's it's it. Yeah. People get broken of like, how do you have an interaction? Like, hi, my name is. <laughs> you know, I'm always so pleasantly surprised when I get that message. That, hi, my name is. They like introduce themselves. I'm like, oh, how nice. It's a real person. Because <laughs> otherwise, like, how, do you, how do you finish it from a scam? You know, like, it could be a scam, but but yeah. at least it was a polite scam. <laughs> it was a polite scam. I mean, like, it was at, a at polite person. I feel like we are we're selling an item, and they're wanting to buy it, and so. But it's but it's not just an item. I mean, it's a living I un- thing. I understand. I understand. But I I I don't necessarily feel like someone has to give me their whole background of reptile. Community. No, no, that's not what I need. But like, there's got to be something you want to know about the animal I'm selling you. I've never seen an animal and just gone. Hey, I want to buy that. And been like, that's good. I don't need to know anything else about it. Like, I'd like to know, what are you feeding it? How are you feeding it? Well, certain things before I buy it. I also like yeah. to fill out the breeder because I need to, I'm like, I got to see if I trust you. Let's see what kind of answers you give me. And so I don't know. I just, I, I feel there's people have got to be, have got to figure out how to approach people and how to buy stuff. Um, but there's definitely a lot of learning that could be done there for sure. L- little things to to learn. Like uh, not everybody raises their kids the same way, I guess. If my kid met something like that, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's a whole different world of people out there. Everybody's got their own little different thing, even if it's wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I like to have phone calls with people. I like to have a phone call with I, – I don't think I've ever – um, sold a snake to somebody that I didn't get on the phone first and have a, because it's just so much easier to communicate and find out wh- who is this person that is getting one of my snakes and mm-hmm. what, what are they about and what are they, what are they into? Uh, you can find out, you know, a lot of things through text, which I do too. I'll, I'll ask, you know, do you keep 
these snakes? Have you kept these before? Is using my first question if they don't offer that up first. Um, but I really do like to have a, a phone phone conversation with anybody that I'm going to be sending snakes to because you can really, even though it's not face to face, there's so much more you can detect the crazy factor over a phone call versus a text. It's hard to detect. <laughs> Sometimes you can pick it up on text. I've gotten better at it, but over the phone, you can really find out if a person is crazy or not. And also, don't don't lowball some. A couple of things. Again, like you said, if they marked it for four hundred, don't ask them for two hundred. That's ridiculous. Like they put time in. My, I think too many people look at this and go, "Well, you didn't do anything. You just have this baby snake, and you need to sell it." Well, that's not how that is. I don't need to sell it to you. I'm 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 going to sell it at some point, but don't come in asking for nothing. And then also, like I think there's a certain limit or where you shouldn't ask for free shipping. If the snake is seventy five dollars. Don't ask for free shipping. If the snake is $700, maybe ask if it's a possibility. Most, I mean, for the species I keep and generally the breeders that I buy from, like $500 is when free shipping is just like automatic. Yeah. Because like my snakes right now are like $75 and $100 and your shipping is going to be $50. bucks. i am like, I can't yeah. throw in $50 bucks, and I'm selling you a snake for almost nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep well, then, then there's it's just information. Some people don't. Even, some people might even realize that sh- the shipping cost is going to be almost as much as the snake. Yeah. You know? Well, that's and how that's I lose where... a lot. That's like usually my first reply back a lot of times when they give me because they'll send me just their zip code. So I'm like, all right, here's the shipping, and then I never hear from them again. Well, you, you did yourself a favor, probably. Yeah. Probably so. <laughs> so I've, I've gotten to realize that if they just send a zip code, send them how much it's going to cost, and then if they answer back, then you can start asking questions and talking to them. But a lot of times it's, oh, it's 50 bucks. I'm not messaging them back. So, I don't oh, know. come just, on. People want I stuff also, on a silver platter. You want me to do something? Come on. It's too much. <laughs> give me, give me, give me, give me. Now, now, now. That's, that's, that's what, that's what works. <laughs> Man, so I this, wish I this knew that. The next thing that I'm going to say, people think I have had comments that I am just saying this because I'm a breeder. Okay. So I, um, I really advocate that if you are buying something from someone for the first time that you should just buy, buy it for the price that they're asking. Like if, Always. if you're yes. that interested first, second, in third, it, 10th. Yeah. Like you just, and then most of the time, the, the, my whole theory on this one is you're buying that breeders like knowledge also, like you're paying for a service for them. If you have issues, you can go to them and it's, it's like, you're paying for that. You're paying for all of their years that they've put into whatever project that you had. Like, you know, it's almost like a respect thing that you you pay the person the full price on it, especially if you don't know them at all. And then I've found that by doing that and, and not trying to negotiate and do all these things, they throw the deals at me. I don't have to go for them. They're like, oh, well, you were, you know, a good, you know, client, customer, whatever you want to call it. You know, you were easy to work with before type of thing. So I'm going to give you, you know, a little bit of a discount here, you know, like that happens all the time, but you have to set up that, that relationship first. And honestly, like you're paying for that relationship and that networking. And I really advocate to do that. It it does. It does happen too. Like that. I mean, I've had that happen with me on both ends of the spectrum. I do that for people and it, and it always comes back, you know, and it's up to you too, as a breeder, like if you have a certain price or something, it's up to you to keep that price there and not allow somebody to lowball you down and accept it. You, yep. you, 
you have the responsibility yourself or the ability yourself to say, no, that's I, what I have it priced for. And it's, it's that or um, somebody else will come along or it'll just stay here, which is definitely what I do. I've got um, a couple animals here, not to just like too much, but that's, that's what I do. If I set a price for something, it, unless it's somebody that like I, I'm good friends with or, you know, I always offer a discount to people that have something special, then not just right off the bat, though. Um, and then I'll also offer that to people that have got multiple snakes for me and have proved that they're solid individuals and keepers. And I'll, I'll be like, I'll put up a price and they'll hit me up and like, oh, I can I can give it I can do a little less for you because you've, you know, gotten four or five snakes from me before and you're doing a great job with everything. Yep. And one individual in particular just recently he's like no i'm giving you your asking price i was like dude thanks <laughs> <laughs> right that's like that's i like was trying know. to give you a discount and you're trying not to take it it's like this is how the world should operate you know it's, if everybody offered that like this is what it's worth for me and this is what i want to give you for it then and that's just it's a mutual respect for each other and, and what exactly. you're doing it's, yes it's a well i had to have i had someone the other day actually so you know on paypal They'll take their money out and I, and I just eat it, whatever. I'll, I'll let them take their whatever. But I had someone transfer me what they owed me plus however much to cover what PayPal. I didn't even ask. They're like, I sent you that just so that PayPal didn't take your money also. I was like, thanks. Yeah. I was, like, I was, nice. I was just going to eat that six or seven bucks, but it's cool. Um, or it's like those little I, things, those little yeah. things that make a world of difference make can make a whole world of difference. It seems so minuscule at the time, but those little things that you do for other people, they they just make a world of difference. It's it's incredible. So that was that was my little my soapbox thing there. And then uh the last thing I had was from a podcast. It was from the Reptile Room Confessions podcast, and they were talking about uh diversity in collections. Um I think which is one direction a lot uh, it's weird. I think a lot of times people get into a get into reptiles and then they automatically have a, di- a diverse collection just because they have the I want everything I see mentality. And then they focus and then they're like, hey, let's try some of this and try some of that. So I think there's like these phases and I think you're starting to see a lot more diversity kind of in the good way now of people getting these more, uh, maybe not rare, but less, less seen things in the hobby. And uh, it was just kind of a neat conversation just seeing people moving away from having 60 of the same thing so they can have a few extra things, a few extra projects. Like you have the indigo, you you don't just settle on just ball pythons. You've got those indigos, you've got retics, you know, you've got several things. I know April, you've got your little lizards, your little barking yep. geckos. Yep. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. It's cool to have, yeah, different animals are, are fun, especially I diversified a lot last year um just because i started doing the educational stuff and ne- needed to have a variety of species to uh you know for the program because you can't just you could you could do a program where you're just like here's this ball python and here's this ball python and here's this ball python and here's this snake what with me what it would have been is here's this snake and here's this snake here's this species yeah. of snake and the kid's like another snake and the teacher's like another snake anything besides a snake <laughs> <laughs> They're the best. You shut up and you enjoy it. <laughs> Which is what I do say to them in the most polite and kindly phrase. <laughs> <laughs> You'll sit there and like what I tell you to like. Exactly. That's exactly how it, 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 it that's what I'm saying in a way that is pleasant on their ears. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I like having like, I guess my collection is somewhat diverse. I mean, they're all little worm snakes. I've got several different species of Sambo and I've got the rubber boas. So, I mean, 
they're kind of all similar but they're definitely different like they're for me at least and so that's kind of fun for me fun's over <laughs> and then and then one point they also made on that podcast which i thought was interesting was uh kind of based around the does does breeding make you more basically important in the hobby there's a lot of people out there who own just own really interesting snakes and take care of really interesting snakes and don't breed and i think you can learn probably more from them than someone who is keeping things in a tub and just breeding them which i'm a person that keeps in a tub and just breeds them but i think we put too much importance on breeding uh as far as a way to measure someone's importance in the hobby that's that's la thinking that's the, uh, that's the, that's the Hollywood. That's the your possessions make you. Yeah, I think that's my personal take on it. Like like uh, you know, money, money makes the world go around. Money rules everything around me. No, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. But it could. You can let it. Well, you just think about it. someone. You could find someone who's kept a corn snake for twenty years. The, for the amazing part is that it's a twenty-year-old corn snake, and what they've seen out of that one corn snake that they've kept in its enclosure and they've watched and taken care of it's probably way more than you could learn from someone who's kept a rack full of them in tubs that they never really look at them other than to feed or breed. That's, that's possible. That's, you know, that is definitely going to come down to an individual basis. I think it, some, yeah. somebody who has all that, you know, time breeding and working with a variety, you know, a, a huge variety of those same species and all kinds of different ones. will see the different spectrums that they cover as far as their care. And, but also as your point, if it's, you know, just in the same setup, versus having different setups and more enrichment to see how they interact with the, the enrichment uh, is going to be different. It's a, I don't know. That's, that's, that's such an individual based thing sometimes. Cause you can, you can have both. You can have an, a breeder that's super experienced and has lots of information to provide on a, on a species or, or a breeder that it works with one species, but only knows enough to breed them and just barely. And then you could have an individual keeper that's keeping one snake for a long time and only knows what that one snake does. Um, or have the same uh, same scenario with a different person who has really picked apart some amazing different things about that species. Um, and it's, it depends on what's important to the the people watching. That was kind of my point with the Herpeton stuff. Like there's a select audience that is super interested in that wide variety and of, of knowledge and, uh, and information versus, um, oh, that's cool. Now look at that. Oh, this is cool. Like this is, this is awesome and cool and not as deep um, knowledge wise or information wise. Well, I think sometimes people are, sometimes people feel that their opinion doesn't matter because they don't breed. Like they feel like they, they don't have enough of a, a base to stand on when they've kept for a long time. They have tons of experience with the animals. They just never took that step. And so I think, that's kind of a mentality that we need to get away. Just because someone isn't breeding doesn't mean you can't learn more from them about that species. Oh yeah. And I could, I could talk about that type of thing all day, man, beyond reptiles. Like people, there, there are definitely lots of people out there that will be quick to gloss over somebody if they haven't done a certain something, but it's my personal opinion that you can learn something valuable from anybody. If you take the time to listen and see what it is they actually have to offer. Because everybody out there that has experience in the world has a different experience than you and potentially something that you can gain from their experience that you haven't experienced yet. And this is kind of getting deep in the weeds here, but it's just something I found to be true. I've learned so much from so many other different people, whether it's reptiles, whether it's just about life in general. If you really take the time to listen to somebody who has had that experience and is willing to pass on what that experience has taught them, 
you can learn so much from an individual. And that's what I've spent a lot of my life doing. And um, I hope to continue to do, especially here with, with reptiles is listen to individuals who have learned something and have something to pass on. And just because you don't breed, no, yeah, I, I fully agree. That doesn't mean just because you breed animals doesn't give you more, it doesn't give you better information. It can, it can lend to that. You can have more information to give somebody like Eugene Bissett has a stockpile of crazy oh, yeah. amounts of data that he, yeah. he's definitely learned from. And the amount of data that man has collected over the years is just astounding. And you can certainly learn way more from that than you could learn from a single person who has one ball python in a in an enclosure. Um, but his, his collection, how he runs things changed my whole thoughts on how I do things at my own house on a, even on a small level. Yeah. And, but, and again, it depends on the person receiving the information because there could be somebody out there that wants to learn a little bit, something different about a Paul Python. You can't learn from all that breeding data and all that different data that he's collected over the years. That's just not worth to them. Something like learning that a, a ball python, if spent enough time with, can actually learn how to play fetch. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard till I saw the video of it. And I was like, that ball python is playing fetch. And I, after the second time, I was like, yeah, maybe not. After the third time on the same video without any cuts, I was like, okay, that ball python is playing fetch with a ball. <laughs> that, and to, some, to somebody, that's way more interesting and cool to learn that that's possible than the amount of information you can learn from all of Eugene's information that he's spent so much time diligently mm -hmm. stockpiling over the years, you know? So it depends on the person receiving the information as far as how important the information is too. It's something that people can overlook easily. Yes, I agree. Ditto. Sorry, I took some podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's kicking out. <laughs> so that was all I have there. Last thing I want to hit on is is the U.S. Arc uh, stuff. Um, yeah, go for it. You have all that info today. I do, unfortunately. So. I know Alabama had been facing possible uh, restrictions and everything. Well, it happened today. So the, the part that gets me is, is due to ecological and economic and human health and safety concerns related to potential impacts of non-native animals, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they have went ahead and they are going to prohibit any person, firm, association, or corporation from possessing, selling, offering for sale, importing, bringing, releasing, or causing to be brought or imported into the state of Alabama, the following. Uh, any species of venomous reptile which has never naturally existed in the wild in Alabama, including but not limited to venomous snakes of the families Viperidae, uh, that's a long one, I've never seen that one before, Alapidae, Hydrophilidae, and Colubridae, except for hog noses. You can still own them. Uh, they actually say that? that you can yeah, except, except for hog noses, genus Heterodon. Uh, any species of bird, mammal, reptile, or amphibian listed on the injurious wildlife under the laces of all your big snakes, all those guys. Uh, and any species of tegu, because that's the new thing. Be horrified of what tegus can do. Um, so beginning October 15th of 2020, persons currently holding the above listed species of wildlife without a Department of Conservation and Natural Resources permit will be given 90 days to notify the WFF division and apply for a permit lawfully export or voluntarily surrender the animals to the appropriate division personnel without prosecution. Um, so that sucks. I, I, I saw that. And I was like, that, that sucks. Cause uh, I mean, it's just one more foothold that they have. It's one more state now that they can try and, and move into and go, Look what you can't have, and it's just going to open a can of worms of, well, you can't have this either. You can't have that either. 
Um, Do you know how much uh, either of you know how much like the permit would be? And is this going to be like permit per animal or just permit to keep in general? Because that's what I'm wondering, because like if the permit cost isn't crazy, I feel like that that's something that I personally would look into. But if they're doing like a hundred dollar permit for every animal I have, like that's just not going to happen. Well, so I'm what I'm trying to figure out, and I'm willing to bet that I, I don't know the answer to. I, I wonder if even the people enforcing the law do. Does the permit just okay the animal you have? Because then, does it not okay future animals? Is my is my wonder? Can I not purchase future animals if I'm permit? That's what it seems like. It seems like you're just grandfathered in and get the permit for those animals you have currently. That sucks. So th- this was US Arc that put this information out. Yes. Okay. Cool. Because I did, I had an email. That's what I said. I'd heard about it today too. I had an email from a, a gentleman, uh, Corey Smith, who keeps uh, berms there in uh, in Alabama. Wait, and I, I, I know Corey. Um, I'm pretty. <laughs> sh- I know. I'm pretty sure I know who that is. I'm pretty sure I've been to his house, and I'm pretty sure that he used to work with my dad. Is he? Uh, he says he's been working with berms since '04. Yeah, probably. Uh, Anyway, what were you going to say, Brian? Sorry. Yeah, I, I just, that, was it, that was it. Yeah, I'm glad that USR has that because in his message, I I have the problem of having too many places to receive messages. I should probably work on that. But I, I he sent this message back on July 23rd. I'm just seeing it today. Um, but he did mention, yeah, he's a USR member and he was he had emailed them to see what they can do, but hadn't heard back yet. So I'm glad it sounds like they picked up on it. So that's good. I'm glad. All right. I hope that... I hope that they can fight that one and, and get that. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm all for, a per, I guess I'm all for certain permit systems, but the problem with those is I wonder how easy it is to then twist those permit systems to go far past whatever you originally agreed to. That is the one fear there for sure. You know, give an inch, take a mile, that, that thing that, that happens, especially when you're talking about the government, you give them a little bit of power. They don't like to really let go and they like to see how much more they can get. Unfortunately. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening. I know Florida's probably still, they're still trying to fight their bands. Um, but yeah, Corey Smith, I just texted my dad. That's funny. I, I've been to his place. He Sweet. does that big stuff. He has some, I have a picture of me holding, he had a big old anaconda, uh, a couple of berms, retics, really nice animals and took really good care of them, which sucks now because, you know, I mean, what really sucks is he, well, I'll, I'll leave that story for another time. But anyways, <laughs> this one sucks because of past. But anyways. Well, thankfully, we have an organization like US Arc. Otherwise, yes. what, what would we be doing? We'd be screwed. That's the that's the thing about, you know, when I was saying earlier, like we all know that we're a minority in the world. Us that find keeping reptiles to be such a pleasurable thing. Um, they're the people that that would rather us not are much more unified. And it's important to me that we can work together as, as much as possible and forgo whatever little differences we have with each other, whatever they're based in. Just remember that we all do want to keep reptiles and that <laughs> if we don't band together and work together to, to make it a good thing, we're going to get crushed. We're going to get crushed if we, if we're not able to, and, and thank Thank everybody and everybody that supports US Arc because without them, we'd be getting crushed. They're like our one wall of defense right now. Yeah, just imagine. 
how many stuff. states now would outlaw would have outlawed so well I mean, we wouldn't even be there the lacy act and all that stuff would have passed and never been fought without them and then they just would have kept adding species to it right it's, and so it's it's crazy to think where we would be if we didn't have them because that's I mean, kind of scary makes me sad to even think that we would be criminals I mean, that, that's, that's the problem is that Alabama is about to turn a bunch of people into criminals because they're not going to tell you what they have because they're going to want to be able to get more of it. And I don't think them wanting another an extra Burmese python for someone who's properly taking care of it is is fair to make them a criminal. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the side effects to to making things illegal because of some people doing it wrong. You you end up creating uh, criminals. I mean, that's what happened with with prohibition. You know, that's what mm-hmm. birthed the mob was the prohibition of alcohol. I mean, it's, it's, you end up creating crime and criminals and forcing people down paths that they wouldn't have gone down if you could just not take one bad apple or a few bad apples and try and rule the whole bunch and, you know, ruin the whole batch of pies because of a couple bad apples. It's, it's, it's complicated. The world of people and trying to control them is, is complicated because you're never going to be able to control everybody. It's just not possible. You can't. And that is our one saving grace too. At the same time, like there's, we're not all going to lay down and just let people run over us. We're going to stand up and fight for what we believe in. If we believe in it strong enough, that's what we're going to do. We're going to push back. I hope they push back enough, and I hope that, that I hope they didn't go any farther, and I hope they can reverse some of this stuff. Because um, I mean, yeah, I don't really own anything right now that would kind of fit on those lists but it doesn't take long for them to add stuff i do own to the list so well they've done a they've done a stellar job so far i've got the and more people i know more and more people are finding out about us arc and are helping to support them and and everything they're doing so we're it's it's looking good on that front i do still need them to send me my t-shirt though i i, I paid for oh my, my gosh i still haven't sent lance his t-shirt yet Ah, everybody's <laughs> slacking on the t-shirts. Oh my I need to send some people some t-shirts too. Now that I think about it, I'm going to have to get on that as soon as I get off of this. <laughs> oh man, sorry Lance. I know you listen. I'm bad. I am terrible. Horrible yeah. person. I really am. Are oh you talking God. about Lance Kirkman? Yes. Yes. Nice. How How is it that I could pull out the last name of the Lance you're talking about? It's I Lance don't Kirkman's know. Awesome. It's because Lance Kirkman is awesome. That's why. That is why. That is absolutely 100% why. So that's it's, all I have. It doesn't change the fact that I really that need to send that shirt out. Shirt. <laughs> it's not that what what size t-shirt do you wear, James? Uh, fat guy, 3X. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't, yeah. I can't help you. The, no, no one has fat guy shirts. It's I'm used to it. That's, that that's might life. be one of the reasons you haven't got your shirt yet. <laughs> yeah, I know that 3X is hard. As somebody who sent out shirts, uh, it's sometimes 3X can be harder to come by. But US Arc, they, they actually have their shirts printed... Uh, 15 minutes down the road for me. Really? Oh, really? Hey, walk yep. down there tomorrow and grab me one, please. I'll, I'll see if I can. <laughs> it's going to be a well, 15-minute drive. It's going to be a long walk. Just take the one wheel. Don't you have a one wheel? I do, but it's over the grade. That's a... Ooh, that's scary. Oh. You don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a helmet. There you go. There you go, then. You're good. You're good. Just, just make sure the camera's rolling the whole time, and we'll be good. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, no, I need, to, I need to get better at that. But the thing, problem is if you keep rolling, and you got so much footage, and it's like the storage space is a thing, and it's like, mm. and these drives are expensive. 
<laughs> Otherwise, oh. I'd be rolling twenty four seven. The things they had captured, I'd probably I'd either have many more subscribers or many less. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how that goes. <laughs> well, oh, guys, uh, this has been this is, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was awesome. Thank Thanks you for, coming, for on. coming on. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me, man. I've, I've enjoyed the, the conversation and the, the fun. It's, it's been fun. I had some laughs, had talked about some real stuff. It's uh, everything I could have hoped for. Yeah, if people podcast. want to get a hold of you or find you elsewhere, where can they find you, Brian? That's Brian Cusco. It's B- it is a long list, but it's all luckily for the most part, one name, B-R-I-A-N-K-U-S-K-O. You can find that on just about any platform that you go on if you're of the age to do something like that. You won't find me on TikTok. That's the one place you won't find me. Me Sorry. either. <laughs> unless you I look am not up of a, the age for TikTok. That's... Unless you look up an account called Black Snake. <laughs> but it'll be gone soon. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Oh. Uh, well, awesome. Great. <laughs> I don't, I'm uh, afraid to, I'm, I'm not looking that up. I don't want. I'm not going to look that up either. Sure, I'm, you're not. No, and I'm not going to go upstairs and send people shirts either. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you are looking for me, you can find me at designerexotics.net or designerexotics on Instagram or YouTube. Oh, and you have a website. Don't forget to pull your website. I did that one already. Did you? Yep. Uh, I was looking at my phone. Yeah. Where can they find you, James? At my house, I guess, but I oh prefer my you don't. Gosh, James. Right. Anyways, you, if you want to find me, it's simply underscore serpents on Instagram or simply serpents on Facebook. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, it's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, the Reptile Gumbo Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, each week, don't forget to go on. We post about uh, what we want to hear from you, what you saw that week, what you think is interesting, what you want us to talk about, and we will talk about it. Uh, let me plug one more time our sponsors. Lone Star Reptile Racks and Herps Reptile Shows. Check both of them out. They're both awesome people. And thanks, Brian, for being on. It's been great. Yeah, man. Thank you guys again for having me. It's been a good time. I I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.